Today's podcast is brought to you by 13 Star Designs. 13 Star Designs is a unique vinyl and embroidery shop full of quirky home decorations and personalized gear. But more importantly, it's the home of the world-famous Dick Mark. It's coming very soon. The podcast was on fire, branded Dick Marks, as well as regular bookmarks for those who are afraid. Look them up at facebook.com slash 13 star designs. That's facebook.com slash 13 spelled out star designs. Hi, everybody. I'm Josh. And I'm Alyssa. And we are here with the very next episode of The Podcast Was on Fire. And it wasn't my fault. It is a spoiler-free run-through that explores the good, the great, and the problematic in the Dresden Files series. Today, we're looking at the opening couple of chapters of book two in the saga, Full Moon. Obviously, also by Jim Butcher. It was released in 2001. First off, how you doing today, Liz? Wonderful. How are you? Oh, living the dream. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I was getting nice. paid to be on a pool deck earlier. Honestly, it's just a, it's a fantasy. Um, but yeah, this is definitely um, widely regarded as a bit of a sophomore slump um, for Mr. Butcher. Um, and we'll definitely get into some of that, but uh, we're only a few chapters in, but how, how are you feeling about this one so far? Do you feel that or, you know, yes. are, you di- are you digging it? I do. I do kind of feel it because there's a lot of it kind of, there's some of it that just kind of feels meh, you know? Yeah, it's, it's not all, as... Again, I'll, I'll talk about it kind of when it comes up, but it's, it's almost like it's not polished. Like some of the stuff, like, I-, I wonder if, you know, maybe Stormfront as it, you know, he's going around trying to get it published, go to publishers, you know, you, maybe he's like doing he some t- tweaks for a while. Yeah. Like you're doing tweaks here and there and you smooth it out and you clean it up. Um, and just little things, you know, one word here or there that you just don't do when you're, you know, going to give it in a once over. Um, and I don't want to say rush. That's not necessarily the right word, but no. just definitely not the same, same time and care as this is the one that's going to get, get me my break, you know? Um, and there's obviously, you know, the story's a little bit bloated and stuff. We'll talk about all those things as we get in, but it's still, I, I still very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's cool. There's a lot of really cool lore that we'll get into. Um, Definitely. It's, um, I mean, so far, I haven't really felt, there haven't really been that many women uh, characters. So there hasn't really been the, as, as devastating of a male gaze. I actually want to talk about one scene in particular oh, where that I really, it's, it's cer- certainly there. It's certainly there. I think in Stormfront, it punches you in the face a little bit yes. more. Um, but um yeah we'll, we'll get into that there and um yeah any anything else before we get into it uh you know i no i don't i can't think so, think of it right. right we'll start breaking it down here um so we open up at mcanally's pub which is a great mm-hmm. place to open up any anything um and he's there with harry's there with uh, a new character called kim delaney uh, we haven't met her before, but he talks about her as if she's been around for a while. So uh, he calls her a sometimes apprentice of mine. Um, and she's buying him dinner in exchange for some information. Um, you know, basically some wizard 
teaching. So it doesn't sound like she's like an official apprentice or she's on a track to be in you know white council level or anything like that. But um, you know, like he has all those brochures outside his office. He you know he's just basically poking around the magical who you know who's around and and helping lift them up as Harry tends to do. Uh, which is great. Well, he also, but, she also mentions that she's an activist of some sort. So her introduction is that it's not, this is not like a full-time job for her. Yeah, no, she's definitely not a, a professional wizard. She just has a little bit of talent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she does some environmental something or other. Activism. Activism. Um, yeah. She's an activist. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that word. She wants to save the whales. Um, and she asks him about a, a a magic circle. We obviously know how important magic circles are and the things they can do. And this circle in particular is three overlapping sets of uh, symbols. Um, and Harry knows that it's dangerous. And I wrote in my notes, this isn't the only time in this episode I wrote this in my notes, not this book, this episode hmm. in giant capital letters, patriarchal bullshit. Um, as Harry's trying to save her by not telling her things. And, um, he's a thought try, trying to be like their, their dad and deciding what she's capable of learning and not learning. Um, she clearly is interested in learn. She says it's just an academic interest. He doesn't believe her and neither do I. Um, I don't think we're supposed to, um, an academic interest in wondering what these circles are all about. And basically there's one circle for, to hold mortals one circle to hold immortal spirit beings. And there's a third circle. And that's the one she's asking about. That seems to be somewhere in between. And that is the circle that Harry doesn't want her messing with. And he says the line, the line I actually think is good where you wouldn't be, you know, you know, you wouldn't be working, you know, mucking around with tiger cages if you weren't trying to catch a tiger. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do like, I don't have a problem with him discouraging her from, you know, punching at this level, but the way that he goes about it, lie. First off, he lies to her and says, "Oh, it's gobbledygook. I don't know what that is." Um, and then she's like, "No, it's not." And he's like, "Okay, well, you don't need to know what what you know what." That doesn't even make any sense. Like, I know that there's de you know in, in this universe. I don't believe in demons, but like, I know that of the lore of demons and you know like crazy things that would be in that circle. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not like it's outside of her like understanding of the universe it's just very strange and patri overly patriarchal he did um, say he does say that the white council doesn't allow for discussion of demons yeah i mean he says that sort of but like yeah i, I mean i get it, 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 it it's, but it's just the way he goes about it and we know like harry is the least self-assured person ever yeah ever. and the only time he's ever self-assured is when he's taking care of kim delaney here no I, it was the right thing to do I know it was the right thing to do. I couldn't tell her these things. You know, like, she's obviously going, she's already working with this. Like, she wouldn't bring it up to you if she wasn't already in, involved. And he, it's just, he just misses that and tries to take care of her by not telling her anything about it. It's just like, it's just so overly patriarchal and ridiculous. Um, and yeah, like the only time he's ever been self-assured of himself is when he's like, oh yeah, I took care of that that lady there. I, I needed to take care of her. Uh, which is, it's just a shitty... Uh, it's you know, Harry. It's Harry's character, and again, it is played as a flaw. Um, it's just he's just lame, um, and he's he feels bad that he didn't tell her, but also feels good that he didn't tell her. And then Karen comes in. Um, she 
got a haircut, and so we have to go through the whole yes. description, the whole rigmarole. Um, although I do like that it's it's not like a typical feminine haircut. It's like cut yeah. really short, and she's still smoking, and you know, to Harry's vision, and, and it's like which doesn't say much. It just really talks about less patriarchal stuff, but more masculinity, fem- femininity. Um, just interesting more than so the description the description of kim was cringy the description of of murphy at this first intersect is less cringy and actually i put a note that said less cringy description <laughs> I, I again and that's the second time where murphy in particular mm-hmm. has he's more less, respectful yeah and, and again she is which isn't even not no i'm not no respectful as her as an independent like creature like she's yeah. not He's not feminizing, over-feminizing her. Yeah, she, she, she's, she's no longer subject to the male gaze because she's an actor. She does things in yeah. the story. Um, I don't know if that's worse or better. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, she's the only... Well, we, did, we did discuss that at the end, that, you know, that the women that were actors be, were punished in Stormfront. Yeah. Um, we'll see how this one goes. But uh, mm-hmm. Harry throws the paper with the circles on the floor... Um, just as a, I'm sad that I can't take care of this woman, uh, situation. And Murphy walks in and just picks it up and puts it in her pocket. You know, she doesn't want litter around, which, um, odd. She picked it up off the floor of a bar. It's almost like it's, I did, I did write down the circle diagram question mark. Does it come back? I can't imagine. Can't in imagine. Highlights in my highlighting of the Kindle. It literally in caps. Does this come back? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Exclamation mark. Exclamation mark. Exclamation mark. Who knows? Probably not. Seems like that's a minuscule thing. Right. Um, so she picks it up, puts it in her pocket, and then he, he, she, we find out that he hasn't worked. You know, at the end of Stormfront, he said we're friends again in a work sense. She, you know, she hired him for a job a couple weeks after they got out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. But it turns out they haven't. Those jobs have kind of dried up. And it's been over a month since he's seen her and worked with her. And she comes in and, and Harry's kind of annoyed with her for not, you know, having any communication or whatever. And she says, I need you. He's like, oh, you need me. Do And she's like, I'll, next time I'll tell the murderers to, you know, kill people during business hours. Um, and so he's like, oh, murders. So they head out to the parking lot to figure out where they're going and get on this murder investigation. All right. So they leave McAnally's in Murphy's car, driving as fast as a Saturn will carry her. And an aside, um, she drives a Saturn. I drove one of those like forever. So does our so did our little sister. Or my currently, little sister. She currently sister. Drives a Saturn. She's, in, she's in her second Saturn, that's right. Uh those things last forever. And they're like they're like invincible almost. So no wonder she isn't worried about Harriet and his as I termed it in my notes, short circuitness. <laughs> but she's driving like a bat out of hell so much so that he puts his seatbelt on. Uh, she was in a hurry, taking a few too many chances, cutting in and out of traffic. And I put on my seatbelt. At least we weren't on her motorcycle. Murph, where's the fire? She glanced aside at me. I want you out there before I want you out there before some other people show up. He asks if it's the press, and she said, shrugged, whoever. Head on out there, driving out past the airport, and Dresden realizes they're not in the city limits of Chicago. He asks, aren't we out of your jurisdiction, technically? And she says, people need help wherever they can get it, Dresden. And the last several killings happened in Chicago, 
So we want to look at this firsthand. I already worked things out with the local force. It's really not an issue. Several killings, I said. Several, as in more than one. Murphy, slow down. Um, they pull up into this. I, it's from what it sounds like. It sounds like a, like a suburban strip mall, and the way this kind of irritated me because I didn't see the sign on the building's front door until I got close. The varsity, I said, reading it, I thought Marconi burned it down last spring. I hate that line. Hasn't he been there before? But no, no, she says it's a new location. Relocated and rebranding. Okay, but but it, but the way he, why would you ask that? You know that, and you also know that this is not where the old varsity was. It's a it's a okay, it's a terrible line. Me. Yeah, it's a terrible line. I I, I circled that too. It was like, why? it's just again, it's it's not problematic. It's not. It just it it's doesn't just it doesn't it doesn't make sense. For where the characters are in their story, like that, yeah. he would not say that, and that's that's what, what I mean. When I, if this this wasn't crafted with the same amount of care, I, well, and that's one thing I noticed is that um, for the most part, we don't have blatant filling in the the original the basis of the story. You know, like we're in a, if you most books and movies where you kind of get a little bit more background from the first book. There's not a ton of it in this, but the places that it, they, he does mention what happened in the past in, in Stormfront are very heavy handed. And that, like that's that I thought, that's what I thought when I read, I thought Marconi burned it down last spring. You know, he burned it down last spring. I wonder then if that's so weird. If it might have been, you know, now that you phrase it that way, I wonder if there may have been pushback from the publisher that and he just if, it in. you know if, if someone just picked you know if they, maybe there's the original draft someone picked it up and it didn't explain where people were in the story and why enough because mm -hmm. that could explain why it's so heavy-handed because i yeah. i get, the words i was using last week were like masterful expert outstanding you know what i mean like mm -hmm. and it was it was it, well, those aren't weren't hyperbole like that was it no. was a well-crafted tale and, the, and again it's not high art it's not you know it's not gonna Library of Congress, or, you know, it's not going to go down in history. Classes are going to read it, you know, 500 years from now. But like, hey, you never know. That's true. You never know. This Shakespeare was pop culture. This podcast is actually probably going to give it a revival uh, when they do the podcast, <laughs> when they do the problematic podcast about our podcast in 100 years. Um, but it, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's not up to the skill level that he's capable. And, and that doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like, if it was just like, and obviously he's not like not caring about it. He just got, no. he just got his first book published. He's going to be fucking. It's just uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, so I wonder, I wonder if that, again, I I'm just making this up. Yeah. This is headcanon, but. Well, and this, this feels like might... something that we're going to probably re revisit several times. Yeah, that really might explain, because there is a lot of that like heavy handed. That's a great way to describe it. You're so clever. Um, good stuff. Um, yeah. I hated that line too. Carry on. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was just, it made that, that whole, I literally highlighted it and was just question mark. I had like a line of question marks. And it's like, nah uh, okay. And the, one of the things here is that we, it's an unnecessary, but he describes Marconi and his business dealings. And I really liked it. And I wanted to point it out just because we talk about how, how well things are told. This is a little bit of exposition, but it's, I like the description of Johnny Marconi. So Chicago's resident crime lord, gentleman Johnny Marconi, or Marcone, whatever we're going with, was the robber baron of the mean streets. He kept all the rough business inside the city proper, leaving his legitimate, uh, in, sorry, his legitimate interests out in the suburbs, like here in Rosemont. 
Last spring, when I had confronted him in his club, a previous incarnation of the varsity, about a deadly new drug on the streets, the place that had wound up burning to the ground. Again, this is really repetitive. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. Like, why? This this tells mm -hmm. you all that that last shitty line yeah. tells. And that's why I'm now I'm, I'm actually believing this thing I made up. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we walk into the into the the varsity club. That is a work in progress. There's, you know, your cliche, you know, work shit and tarps and things like that. Sack of paintbrushes waited for use off to one side. Uh, so he walks in and, and uh, Murphy has to stop him because he's just not paying attention. He's almost stepped in blood. Um, which is a weird, which is a weird, that's a weird character beat. For him not paying attention? Yeah, I mean, like, he's not, like, the most observant, but, like, he's on yeah. a crime scene. Like, this is his job. He has extra I... sensory powers, and he's like, that's just, you, you don't think that's weird? No, because later he talks about there's other things that are overwhelming him. So I can understand that. That's fair. Uh, plus, there's probably so many smells in a an active, like, remodeling kind of environment. And those, that are, really... and those are the only smells we're talking about today. <laughs> okay, so this is one again. This is a a, a death scene, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read some of it word for word because it is. I really did like the way it was described. Um, okay, so he says, "I stopped and looked down. Blood, a lot of blood. It began near my feet, where a long splatter had reached out like an arm from a drowning man, staining the dusty floor with scarlet. My eyes followed the path of the long blood stain back to a pool, maybe an eighth of an inch deep." surrounding a mound of ripped cloth and torn meat that must have been the corpse. God. I mean, and then he continues that the corpse was, I guessed, that of a male in his 30s. He had been a large man with a short, spiky haircut. He had fallen onto his side, facing away from me, his arms curled up towards his head, his legs up toward his vitals. A weapon, a little automatic pistol, lay seven or eight feet away, I uselessly, uh, sorry, uselessly out of the victim's reach. I walked around the corpse until I could see the face. Whatever had killed him, it had, hadn't been human. His face was gone, simply torn away. Something had ripped off his... I could see his blood-stained teeth. His nose had been torn all the way up one side, and part of it dangled toward the floor. His head was misshapen, as though some enormous pressure had been put upon his temples, warping his skull in. His eyes were gone, torn out of his head, bitten out. There were ragged slash marks of fangs all around the eye edges of the sockets. This is then he starts talking about the smell. So one of the things that most people don't know is that blood actually has a scent. It's a metallic scent, and it's a very distinctive scent. The other thing that has an obvious scent is this. He says the body stank. A sickly sewer smell that rose up from the torn innards. That's a very specific smell. Um, that unfortunately I'm familiar with. There are several smells in my line of work. Um, but those are blood. What happens when your innards are no longer innards and they're outards? And decomp. Those so, are the three smells that are very distinctive. I think, and I think this is from the, sorry, I just want real quick. I think this is from the next chapter when he's trying not to think of it, but he describes it as the ghastly stench of his open innards. And I wrote that quote. I wrote that quote down. That's how good I thought that quote was. Sorry. <laughs> for weeks. The description is, is very 
gruesome. And so this sort of damage to a human, I've seen when people are hit by trains, when motorcycles go 100 miles an hour into the back of a big rig, shit like that. And the fact that it's indoors and that something has done this is crazy town. Like that would be terrifying if, if I came across a scene like that. And then with the teeth marks around the eyes and the thing about uh, teeth marks, claw marks, things like that, they are relatively distinctive on human skin, on skin at all. I suppose you could say I've never seen a vampire. Uh, well, sorry. A uh, werewolf bite, but I mean, I you can know imagine. Uh, not even wolf bites. We don't have, we didn't have wolves in where I worked in San Bernardino. So, but you know, I've seen smaller animals and like, they're very distinctive marks. Yeah. Coyote, and, coyotes on meth though. Um, well actually <laughs> random aside, completely <laughs> random. Aside, I read a, I read an article. Um, it's been a few years now, but that, uh, about, about scavengers scav. If someone is, has, is on meth scavengers generally avoid them and they don't know why. And they can't really do a controlled study on that because it's sort of unethical to pump fetal pigs full of meth and put them out because usually they use pigs as a um, basically replacement for people. But they can't do that because it would be unethical. But generally, like, critters don't like meth. So, um, okay. So Harry recognizes the, the, this dead person. Also, the word corpse is not generally used. Usually it's body. But so corpse is kind of a very... Um, strange term to me because it's well, well he's it, he's not a, 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 an expert in the field no, though, right no, he's just a but dude it, but i think if he'd been around enough and everybody just calls it the body it's just corpse is a weird word to me so i'm gonna bring up buffy on every single episode because it's like mm -hmm. it, i bring it up in my own brain like every other sentence i just don't put it out there in the world because pe people would think that i was weirder than i am <laughs> but the uh the episode the body is the greatest episode in the history of television mm -hmm. where she like her mom dies spoiler alert and she uh when she says you're not supposed to you're not supposed to move the body is like when she calls her the body it's like it's real that like she, she you know her mom's dead and it's just like um i can't that's one of the things i don't when i talk to families i don't say the body i i call them by name because hearing that is is just traumatizing to people using the term the body about someone you know that's pretty crazy <sighs> Sorry. Okay, moving on. Let's move on to it. Nightmares! Sorry. More happy or not. Uh, okay, so Murphy recognizes this dude, which is impressive since his face has been ripped off and his nose is dangling by, his, by a thread. No, and uh, Harry recognizes him. That's what, that's what I mean. Harry recognizes him. Uh, and he, uh, it's impressive. And Harry says, I recognize him. At least I think I do. You'll need to check dental records or something to be sure. And it's one of John Dane Marcone's bodyguards. Spike is what Harry referred to him as. And we know Harry likes to refer to people by weird and unusual names. Um, He's got like a, like a buzz cut or a short spiky hair or something. Sure, yeah, he mentions short spiky hair. So this is Spike. And um, uh, Murphy says, okay, walk around a little bit. Tell me what else you see. And he's like, what am I looking for? And she says, you'll know it. And under her breath says, I hope. She's putting some faith into Harry at this point. There's also, is this before, have, are you, have we already passed the look she gives him? What do you mean? Which... So I don't, I don't have it written down here, but I, 
I hope you had written the quote because I wanted to talk about it. She like she says something to him when he's looking at the body and he turns and looks at her and he says she's she's looking at him like like she feels bad for him or something or like with like Oh yeah 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 that's um where is it um Murphy's face was set in concern for me her blue eyes gentle I saw her wipe the expression away as quickly as a shadow crosses a floor a smoothing of lines that left her features neutral Like this is an incredibly vulnerable version of Murphy she still is an asshole, but it, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by going through this book because there, there's some things in this book that I, I want to re-examine more critically because I, mm-hmm. a lot of people just skip this book when they do read-throughs. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it really is, it's not a chore. There is some good stuff, and I, uh, um, lupine theriomorphs. Like, what do you want? For, what, what else do you need? Um, <laughs> but like, it's, it's definitely there's some interesting characterization of Murphy in particular. And that moment I've never noted. Again, I've read these like 12 ish times. I figured out when I started reading the Dresden files it was 2014. I had a Facebook post. I literally went back and searched for it. Cause I was curious when it's, when I started and it was right after cold days was released, but before, you know, a year, a couple years before skin game. And then many years before uh, battleground and peace talks. Um, which means nothing to you, Alyssa, but it means nope. something to some of the I was just going to say, and that means nada. Just to give an idea of when I hopped on the tray. But like, so like a couple times a year, I'll go through the whole series since 2014. Um, and I've never, I'm sure I read it and recognized it. I've never like thought about that moment. And it, I wonder if giving Murphy more credit, obviously, but like, I, I wonder if I'm going to give Murphy more credit throughout this novel based on like the vulnerability that she's showing in those moments. I'm not sure yet. I just, it was interesting that I hadn't really picked up on that. And that might be, you know, me being part, you know, part of the patriarchal structure of the universe. But, um, at that moment, I'm not sure how important it is, but I'm interested to like put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's a, there's a couple of them where she is, uh, you see more of her as a human. There's a couple moments, um, but so he's, and, and even that, I hope moment is very humanized where she's just like, please, God, let me, let, let him find something. Oh dear God. We need, cause we need help. Yeah. Uh, okay. So she, he starts looking around and something must've gone through the window. He picks up a piece. Of, this bothers me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I made a note of that too. This bothers me so much. I'm not even law enforcement. I thought this was fucked up. There was blood on several of the broken pieces of glass. I picked up one of the larger ones and frowned at it. The blood was dark red and not yet wholly dried. Picked it I, up. Took a, I took a white handkerchief from my pocket, folded the shard of glass into it, and then slipped it into the pocket of my duster. Oh, so we're taking evidence from crime scenes now. <laughs> Lovely. And, you know, he keeps cruising around here. And then he finds a paw print, almost as big as his spread hand, in the dust. It's, I like the description of it. He says, canine. Dots at the tips of the paw. Spoke of heavy nails, almost claws. I looked up through the window at the rounded silver shape of the almost full moon. Oh, hell, I breathed. Oh, hell. Murphy walks up and he says, you've got problems. And he says, he, he 
he figures it out quickly, which makes sense because he's much more aware of the supernatural than your average bear. And he says, you've had other murders happen in the same way, probably about four weeks ago when the moon was last full. Those were the other killings you were talking about. Murphy glanced at my face for a moment, keeping her eyes off mine, and nodded her head. Yeah, four weeks ago. Almost exactly. But no one else picked up the full moon angle. Just me. And then she says, Harry, are there such things as werewolves? He says, yeah, not like what you see in the movies, but yeah, I figure that that's what you've got going here. And that's fucked up. But it's about par for the course. And then there is a loud noise outside, and she swears. God damn it, how do those assholes get everywhere so fast? When I heard that, my first thought was, is the press there? How weird. And then this also bothered me a little bit. Which part? Uh, so okay, why? Because the FBI doesn't show up on scenes like this. The FBI has to be asked to come, and local law enforcement maintains some level of presence. So she does mention... She tells Harry in the next is it the next chapter that she no, she she, she asked she no she asked the FBI on the case the FBI on, on the, the case. previous case but, but this is a different case they have to uh, FBI have to be invited to the party but this is this is the same case yes but it's they not think the same case yes they the, think they may be related fair, but yeah, it yeah. would still be local law enforcement unless it is it takes so the fbi must be invited to the party unless it takes place on federal land or in a federal penitentiary okay. or because they're cops whenever the fuck they want to well they, they have to be or or technically if it's a federal offense like a kidnapping the FBI is is involved but usually they're asked to become a uh, kidnapping over state lines sorry they're asked to be involved by other law enforcement agencies local law enforcement agencies have the they have jurisdiction the, the jurisdiction FBI <laughs> can be offered jurisdiction but they don't just come in like this and that kind of bugs me there's a lot of things about the FBI and this that bother me so I've worked with the FBI on several occasions and they're not they're very smart because they have to have jds and you know they're all very intelligent academically they don't do a lot of death investigation let me just say <laughs> well so like how does murphy know about this case that if it's a different case right i mean like you know related whatever well so, okay, Ro so, so what i'm saying is like rosemont pd presumably called murphy and said hey this sounds like the thing you're working on Mm-hmm. Likely, very likely. And so someone someone at someone at CPD probably just called up yep. Denton, right? Like Yep. And said, Hey, we got another one. So and he, he's but, he's just dis deciding that it's the same thing. Yes. But the other thing is that she could have called local like areas, local law enforcement agencies in the area and been like, Hey, you got anything like this? And because in the past, one of the <laughs> Okay, this is some of my true crime knowledge. One of the reasons serial killers got away with shit for so long on the West Coast in the 70s, There's not no just West Coast, but it's because it, they, didn't, they didn't cooperate. That's it, funny. Law enforcement agencies didn't cooperate. You didn't have a CODIS. You didn't have APHIS. You didn't have all of the... the, the I still don't have any of those systems. things. They, they didn't have the computer systems that talked to each other. Like now... Gotcha. Um, uh, you know, I when I... When I worked in um, Ventura in the jail, we would run everybody, everybody that came in, and 
missing persons would come up. I found a missing person. He was a voluntarily missing adult, but um, out of a different state because that's all in the same system. Anyway, um, but that's how this could have happened. And our delightful, the, the description, again, this is the description of a male. This is a very strong, okay. This is, this is Harry's description of Denton. The man in front was not quite as tall as me, but still very tall, six feet and three or four inches. His hair was jet black, as were his eyebrows, while his eyes were a shade of gray as pale as wood smoke. Another fucking pair of gray eyes. That might be, again, this might be the, the same mom thing where it's just Dresden has gray eyes, but I feel like it's a weird trope in everything. You know, this mystery yeah. type thing. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> his dark blue suit fit him well, and he had the impression that it concealed, and I had the impression that it concealed an athletic build in spite of the fact that he had obviously seen more than four decades. That's not that old, Harry. 40 is not old. Anyway, uh, secure the scene, he said, his voice deep, tense. Wait. Lieutenant Murphy, what the hell are you doing on a crime scene out of your jurisdiction? Nice to see you too, Agent Denton, Murphy says in a flat tone. You get around fast. I told you you weren't welcome on this investigation, Denton said, his words crisp. This is not how the FBI works. It's not. Uh, Denton calls somebody called Agent Ben, and we get a very... Interesting description of this woman, but again, a very significant, and she's got a hard-muscled sensuality. She had olive skin, deep green eyes, and a thin, severe mouth. But she's got a hard-muscled sensuality. So fucking stupid. And then, Denton, you know, please escort these two civilians from the crime scene. Civilians? Well, and the thing is, is that's a super, that's really just, he's just being insulting. Yeah. You know, he's, and, and Harry is trying to kind of chill things out here and he's like hey let's go talk outside can we not you know and, he, and, he, and he, she says rosemont department has given their consent for me to be here and denton being a dick do you have it in writing and do you really think that you want me reporting this to your superiors lieutenant he's just a fucking asshole um and i'm and harry's like let's go outside come on let's clear this up and this this little interaction with agent ben is so far outside of the realm of reality. So, okay, Ben didn't give us any warning. She just moved fast and hard, stepping towards Murphy and flicking some sort of martial arts blow I wasn't familiar with toward her temple. So she's trying to knock her out? Like, are you fucking kidding me? There was a quick blow of motion. Sorry, quick blur of motion. Murphy's hands got there before the blow landed and she turned, somehow levering Ben's weight off from her legs and slamming the gray-maned woman hard into a wall. Her hand dipped into her jacket, hesitated for half a second, and then resumed motion. She drew her gun with an expert's precision, smooth and quick without seeing, seeming hurried. Her green eyes blazed. I threw myself at Murphy, colliding with her and driving her over and down as a gun went off, louder than a close clap of thunder in the interior, half, interior of the half-finished restaurant. We landed in a heap on the dusty floor. That's fucked up. Oh, yeah. Because that's the thing. That's attempted murder. You're sh you shot at someone at close range. And then they say it's a misfire. There was a misunderstanding and Agent Ben's weapon automatically discharged. That doesn't matter. There would be an IA investigation. That's called, first off, this is called reckless discharge if it's an accident. She pulled her fucking gun. 
They tell you if you're if you are going to pull your gun and point it at somebody, never point your gun at somebody you don't want to kill. Well, she's trying. She's clearly trying to kill. <laughs> yes, but she paused. Yeah, she that, that hesitation is interesting. Yes, because that means she knows what she's doing is, is wrong. And you know, Murphy agrees. You know, had an accident with her hap- her weapon could have happened to anybody, which that just irritates me. And this was this is kind of great. Uh, Harry says, I can't believe that. You all right? Why the hell didn't you tell them what she did? I asked Murphy in a soda voice. That bitch, Murphy said back. Not nearly as quiet. She tried to sucker punch me. She tried to ventilate you, Murph, I countered. Basically, they lied to the cops, the local cops, saying, yeah, no, it was an accident. And it's just... It irritates me. This whole scene really irritates me. I mean, it's, a, it's, um, a thin, it's a thin blue line thing, because the cop clearly knows they're lying, because it says... Is that what happened, Lieutenant? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're on the oh, ground. Yeah. We just are getting off the ground, and, and Harry's like, you crazy bitch! Like, clearly, yeah. it's, they all know what happened, and it's yeah. not, like, they're not lying to them. They're basically saying, like, ixnay. Like, we're, we're just not going to mm-hmm. talk about this, right? So it's like, yeah. I get that there would be an IA investigation if, if any, you know, if it ever got to that point, but this is, yeah. like, old boys, the boys club saying, like, no, 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 no. we're cool, we're just going to move on. So, like, well, I have to, that's very believable to me. Uh, there, no, there's just so much about this scene that just is just. Oh, yeah, no, there's plenty. Because I guess here's the thing. If you, the so forensics comes into the scene, there's a bullet hole well, in the ground. Forensics is the FBI's doing the forensics now, though. Yes, they, but what I'm saying is that you are totally putting this entire case at risk if you leave that out of your forensics report. You are putting the entire case so, at risk. Remember when we talked about pooping, right? Pooping in novels? Yes. Like, there, there's, a, we, there's a level of, you know, again, it's a, a wizard book, right? There's a level of suspension of disbelief. But yes. you can also, you can hand wave it because one of the other FBI agents is the forensics guy, right? Like, so he, he can hand wave it away. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, that evidence will never exist in the, you know, the, for the defense attorneys to see. You know what I mean? Like, it, uh, But photographs. Again. The guy in charge of the photographs is is in Denton's inner circle. So, like, it, I agree it's not realistic per se. I, I don't, not agreeing. I don't know. I, I'm leaning on your, I, uh, was it lean, not defer to experts? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I guess. Whatever it is. I, I, I believe in experts and you certainly are in the, in crime scenes. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can, you can hand wave it enough that it's, you know, that cop is not going to say anything because cops don't talk, you know, don't tell on other cops. And then Denton and his crew are in charge of all the nuts and bolts of it. So, you know, I mean, you can, again, not saying it's necessarily realistic, but it's interesting and you can hand wave it and move on, right? Beyond, it's not, right? Like, I mean, is this the end of a podcast? No, 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 no. It just, it, it bothers me from a procedural point of view and they're trying to be all procedural and it's just inaccurate and that bothers me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, he's a wizard. Yeah. Stealing evidence. Um, no, that, well, that's why I pointed that out, that that's really irritating. But this whole scene is so very, very flawed. I literally have in capital highlighted and bolded letters. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, there's more to this than I, irritates me. Oh, and, and so Harris comes out and says, maybe give Deborah some slack. She's really stressed out. And um, this is the other thing that... Mm, the other Agent Wilson says, get the hell out of here. I don't want to see either of you around a scene that isn't on your turf, Lieutenant Murphy. Internal affairs has enough to do, don't you think? 
So he's going to rat her out to IA, but they're not allowed to rat Ben out to, or whatever her name is, out to IA. Well, he's threatening to do it to yeah. for her to keep her mouth shut. But the other thing is, is that the FBI has nothing to do with her IA. Yeah, but they can At talk. All. They can talk to them, but they don't. And unless the IA seeks them out, and but her IA is closed. Her IA is closed. But he's threatening to give them this information. So again, I, again, I, like no, but it just bothers me. <laughs> it bothers me so much. The FBI is not like this in real life. Lizzie, Lizzie, the water polo scene in Wednesday wasn't yeah. accurate either. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, that was so bad, and I, I cringed at that. I didn't. I didn't because it's a TV show. Yeah, I, I... <laughs> um, anyway, so the, the the chapter ends on really quite lovely. Uh, he they're outside, and he says, "I looked up through the clear night at the almost full moon. Werewolves jumping through windows at windows at a gangsters' lackeys in unfinished restaurants. A mangled corpse in the middle of a blood drenched floor. Berserk FBI agents drawing guns and shooting to kill. A little kung fu, a little John Wayne, and a few casual threats." So, so far, I thought, my nerves jangling. Just one more night on the job. That's a nice ending there. I mean, you know. So they, they sit in the car and Harry grabs the keys um, and he says, you know, we should talk about last spring. She says, why? We didn't talk about it then. Yes. Uh, um, I highlighted which, that. I loved that. Which again, I, I, I like that. Um, she's such a hypocrite. But I understand her perspective. Mm-hmm. better than Harry's. I, I talked yeah. about this last week where Harry just needs to say stuff. He doesn't, there isn't, you know, the, you can leave out the white council and tell her everything else. Um, and it, it's just, I just don't like his motivation for, you know, keeping secrets yeah. and stuff. Uh, you know, and his, it's mostly a patriarchal thing. Like, Oh, I have to tell you, Oh God, the next chapter that you're going to get into. I, is it yours or mine? I wrote it down. I, again, I wrote, in capital letters, like five lines wide, patriarchal bullshit. <laughs> they have, you know, they're basically talking, he's like, she's tells him, you lied to me, which he didn't really, but like, where it's like, when I bring you in on a case, I'm trusting you. And again, her vulnerability, she's like, mm-hmm. I don't, that's not easy for me. Like, that's not something she does. And it's, so I want to, sorry, there's a line in that last chapter that I wanted to touch on that I just remembered now, when something about when ben, Agent Ben is like coming up to her, he says something about how like she like tucks her chin. Or, you know, she, she's seen that look, you know, when she's down points in her Aikido tournaments. Mm-hmm. Which means at he's some, go, he's gone to one of her Aikido yeah, tournaments. At some points, they were friends that multiple because he said plural, right? Like, so like he's gone and like been supported friends. her. Yeah, like they are friends, even though it sometimes doesn't. You know, were at some point friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. and and I liked that line because it, it again, it humanizes this relationship where like we talked about last week, like it, you, the trust is broken. It's really hard to get that back. Mm-hmm. And when you're working on, you know, this is life or death. And I, she does the cliche. She does this all the time through like, she's, luckily she stops after a dozen and a half novels of like, I'm a cop. It's who I am. I got to go take a bullet, you know, whatever. <laughs> but like, um, I think she's like 50 by the time the books where, where we're at in the books now. Um, but like, it is important. Like this is her life. It's not her job. It's, it's her identity, you know, which isn't healthy certainly, but like it's her identity. And like, he didn't just break trust with like her at work. If she broke trust with like her as like 
who she, who she is. And again, not healthy, but like it, it kind of explains some to some level why she's so upset. And again, I, I've always understood her perspective more than Harry's. Um, even though I'm not a I'm not a big Karen fan. Like she's really not one of my a lot of people love her. I'm she's not one of my favorite characters. But like um that that line is just it, it's it, Harry gives as well as much as he gets. You know, there's that line when she's taking care of him after his concussion, you know, uh, that look she gives him uh-huh. in the bar tonight. And he goes and supports her. He goes to Aikido tournaments on weekends. You know what I mean? Like, like they're friends. They were at one point, like they love each other. They take, they, they care about each other. Yeah, and, we're close. and, and we saw that relationship break. And I think for both of, you know, she's got two ex-husbands. She works all the time. She's a Lieutenant. Like, so she can't be friends, you know, with the, with the you know, her subordinates really you can't hang out with them. So like, neither that was really but i think for both of them one of their only friendships certainly their only meaningful friendships yeah and it broke because of some dumb bullshit just harry not wanting to communicate clearly and it, 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 it's completely based on communication completely yeah. which you know is that false conflict but also like part of it is clicking a little you know more context is clicking it a little bit better mm-hmm. um but so you know she basically gives him that spiel and he like you know recognizes that like he never looked at her from her perspective. Of course not, because you're a fucking misogynist douchebag. But like, um, you never saw her as someone with agency. She was yeah. someone helping you solve crimes. Um, existing in the background. Looking pretty with her toned legs under her pantsuit. Um, but mm-hmm. she... You know, basically, you know, tells him like that she fucking, like, you broke my heart. You know, yeah. like, you broke my heart, Fredo. Um, and she... Tells you know he says you're come on you know I'm not a bad guy we're friends and she says we were friends now I'm not so sure yeah um and that's again like heavy especially you know Harry has no friends Murphy has no friends and like that's how devastating this one moment like which again all he had to do was say I got her number from Bianca and it, like mm-hmm. but he has that it's it's his sh- again when we talk about how he needs to be punished for being a, a you know a chivalrous douchebag like. That's it. Like, oh, well, and, and in this chapter, he said, she actually comes back at him. When she says, I am not your daughter. I'm not yep. some porcelain doll on a shelf. It's not your fucking job to take care of Yeah. Her. I catch the bad guys and put their asses away. And if it comes down to it, I take a bullet so that some poor housewife or CP- CPA doesn't have to. I don't need your protection. After she checks her gun, which is kind of rad. Just because she's just like, I don't need you, dude. Just because she could, yeah. yeah. And she does a little like, you know, martial arts thing where you know where she like break Britain not breaks his wrist but she breaks the yeah she, I, I i marked that so some stupid hand thing to get him to agree no no, no. <laughs> it's not to get him to agree she, he's holding the keys and she oh, like that's what he's doing yeah, she's, oh. she's, like, pressure point and twisting so he drops the keys and she turns on the car oh God. she says fuck fuck you we're done talking oh, um, i didn't realize he was holding the keys because all i saw all, I, I was it was, again, not very clear. She did something to one of my fingers that made a quick pain shoot up my arm. And I was just like, oh, there we go. Dropping the keys. There we go. Yeah. Um, I, I, which is even her saying, you know, her taking agency and saying, we're done with this conversation right yeah. now. Like, I've said what I need to say and we're still, pro- I'm still processing it. We're, we'll see how this goes, you know, moving forward. Yeah. Um, which again is like, uh, uh, certainly more agency than any of the women female characters we've women characters we've had in Mm -hmm. this story so far and again like murphy is she's a main player like she's not a side character she's like one of the stars of the show um so we obviously want to see her with a lot of it but even in the last book she was a lot of times just kind of like a foil not 
someone who has feelings and thoughts and cares. And, and this is really humanizing her to the extent where I, now I'm really questioning how I feel about her at the end of this novel. I'm really, Aww. I'm really curious because that I don't like her where she's at at the end, towards the end of this novel. Um, but I think this might change some of that because it's contextualizing a lot of her choices later. So um, without you know, that doesn't give too much away, I don't think, but um, yeah. So uh, they start heading back uh, towards Chicago and we carry on. All right, so they are... I'm sorry, one one more thing she mentions is that, uh, yeah, we have to catch these guys because if we don't, I'm going to be out of a job and you'll probably be in prison. Hey, jail. He's jail? I said, jail? Hell, Murphy, were you planning on mentioning this to me anytime soon? I love that. Uh, And she says she's had a long month and he said, why didn't you call me in on the other killings last month? Murphy turned her eyes back to the road. I wanted to, believe me, but I couldn't. Internal affairs started writing me about what happened with Marconi and Victor Sells last spring. Someone got the idea that I was in cahoots with Marcone. Then I helped, the mur- helped to murder one of his competitors and took out the three-eyed drug ring and said they were poking around pretty hard. I felt a twinge, an abrupt twinge of guilt because I was on the scene. You had that warrant out for me and then had it rescinded. And then there were all those rumors about me and Marcone after the whole thing was over. So basically... Her whole IA shit is a lot of Harry's fault because of how he got involved. And so he realizes that she's been avoiding him kind of to protect him. Which is- he's trying to do all this shit to protect her, but she's also protecting him. Which is where the, like I said, it's a little bit hip- hypocritical in that they're both. Yeah, they both do the same shit. Or the he, same- mentions, he mentions that later in the, in, uh, I think my next chapter, he says those in glass houses. Um, mm-hmm. But like it, they're just doing the same thing to try to protect each other and not talking about it, which is just so dumb. But it's it, in this, it's way more realistic, way more believable than the way it was presented in Stormfront. Like this is how you have yeah. people have a fight about not communicating because they're upset and they don't know how to communicate. Not because, oh, well, if I tell her this, she'll ask more questions and uh, like that you know the answer to. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah. th- this is actually... I really like this scene. It's it you know it's a it's like a bottle episode. They're just sitting in a car. Like it's it's just a yeah. great character scene between the two of them. Like you get to know their relationship. You get to know like they care about each mm-hmm. other. They just have something between them right now. Um, I, I just like I said, I, I I was expecting to go through this novel feeling the same way I usually feel about um, Murphy after it. And right now I'm like I, I'm kind of on her side and I'm mad at Harry right now. I'm always I'm at Harry, but like yeah. now I'm only mad at Harry, not mad at her too. <laughs> All righty. Uh, so let's see. She does compliment him and says, one thing you're not is stupid, Dresden. A little naive sometimes, but not stupid. And she talks about how I, I, I couldn't figure it out. And then we learn a little. Um, she outlines the attacks and the, they're called the quote Lobo killings. And they started last month, one night before a full moon. A couple of gangsters torn the bitch at the beach. Everyone thought it was an animal attack, but that's kind of weird. Next night, little old lady gets dead. And gets so... Dead. <laughs> the official corner, yes. that's the term. <laughs> gets dead, yes. Um, our forensics guy hadn't turned up anything useful, so I asked the FBI. They've got access to resources I can't always get to. High-tech forensics labs, that kind of thing. And... This is another. Well, this is the 
this, problematic in realistic sure, in real this life. Is their, issue this is their in so. universe way of explaining why the FBI is taking over the case and why they can. No, well, no, no, there's, there's, there's more to that. No, no, they, they, and there's a difference between having an FBI take over the case and having them help with forensics in the real world. Yes. Um, but they, you know, they, they come in and they apparent irregularities in the dentition of the attackers so that the tooth marks didn't match genuine wolves or dogs so that the paw prints we found were off too didn't match real wolves. Um, that's when I started thinking it might be something else, you know? They figured that someone was trying to make it look like a wolf attack. With this whole wolf motif, someone started calling the perpetrator the Lobo Killer. And then the... She, Harry asks, have you considered telling the truth? And she says, not a chance. They hire conservatives for jobs at the Bureau. People who don't believe in ghosts and goblins and all that crap out there that I come to you about. They said that the murders... This is... They said that the murders must have been done by some sort of cult or pack of psychos that must have furnished themselves with weapons made out of wolf teeth and nails, left symbolic paw prints around. That's why all the marks and tracks were off. I got Carmichael to check up on you, but your answering service said you were in Minnesota on a call. Here's the thing. Yeah. When the nature of forensics is that you're not going to create some bullshit. It's the most likely, the most likely outcome is what it is is that's what you go for and it's they switched over so quickly um and then so what happens after that is is there were additional murders three bums in the park um worse than the guy night before an old man outside a liquor store and then the night after that we had a businessman and his driver torn up in a parking garage aia was right there breathing down my neck the whole time to observing everything. She shook her head with a grimace. That last victim, all the others were outside and in a bad part of town. The businessman in the parking garage doesn't fit the pattern. And then we link another person to Johnny Marcone. Okay. The linking these deaths to Johnny Marcone is part of my crackpot theory later, by Ooh, the way. FYI. Who else is an human? Uh, <laughs> you know, everybody's everybody's The last episode of this pod, we're gonna reveal that you and I are actually uh, actually vampires uh, I, I actually was she lord just me i was a vampire today because <laughs> i have a weird sleep pattern and i don't like to be in the sunlight and uh yeah you do take a lot of the um, boxes you're around blood a lot i am okay so uh there's bite mics or, or bite marks or bite like marks according to agent denton from at least three different weapons and this is where harry says or three different wolves Unless it's real werewolves we're dealing with, in which case each set of marks goes with a different set of teeth, and we're looking at a pack. And, you know, she's like, there's no way to tell them that. That would put the nails in my career's coffin. And the other, the other thing is this. So the whole thing is like, they only need a good reason to get rid of me. And, you know, they'll probably try for you too. This is the other thing. And I'll, the, my note was, what a shitty police union. Um... Huh. <laughs> um but, you know, I mean, that's the thing where they're trying to get her, you know, they're trying to get rid of her and yeah, all that shit. Um, okay. So what is it? she kind of has a moment where she's like, Jesus, Harry, I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to you about werewolves killing people in downtown Chicago. One sec, one sec. I, I, I just want to touch on the IA stuff that's going on. Yeah. Harry, at the end of, again, at the end of Stormfront, he said something about how like, um, Marcone spread it around that he killed Victor Sells, Marcone's enemy, for Marcone. And that was kind of his way of smoothing over him blowing up the varsity. Mm-hmm. And that's all he thought about it. Mm-hmm. 
Murphy's prime yes. consultant now is rumored to be uh-huh. an associate of a big gangster. Mm-hmm. So again, mm-hmm. he's not even thinking about the repercussions of what he's doing. He just thought, oh, this is a simple solution. And now he's fucking his, like, again, Murphy's like, yeah. a big, I'm, I'm sure a big part of this issue is like, you're hiring a gangster on the police dime. A yeah. gangster charlatan at that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and, and yeah. he, does, he doesn't make that connection, but it's clearly, I think we're clearly supposed to as the audience. Yeah. Oh, well, and so this is the other thing I just noticed in my notes. When I was talking about how the forensics said that's not how forensics work, I literally said, this is X-Files bullshit. <laughs> um, that I had to include that because it, it is X-Files bullshit. It is. So that's their, they're continue driving and, and they're being followed. And, you know, he, he wonders, you know, the fuck's going well, I, on? I like that Harry, Harry, like, notices it and doesn't say anything to Murphy. Yeah. And, like. Which he does talk about how she's changed, like, she moves over to the slow lane and slows down. She goes, you know, she's moving around. Sure. But, like, he doesn't say, he, he notices it and doesn't say anything to Murphy. And we find out later that Murphy noticed it and doesn't say anything to Harry. Like, they're so fucking hypocritical. Yeah, they don't communicate. Um, okay, so they 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 park at um, Max to drop him off at his car, and uh, so instead of and she pulled out uh, she pulled out of the parking lot and turned onto the street, and he didn't get into the Beetle. He says, "Instead, I watched the car that had followed us into the parking lot. It cruised around the far side of the lot, then started down the road toward me, and kept on going. The driver, a striking woman with shaggy dark brown hair peppered with gray, did not turn to look at me as she went past." I watched the car go, frowning. It left the lot, turning the opposite way Murphy had, and vanished from sight. Had that been the same vehicle that had followed us down the JFK? Or had it been only my imagination? My gut told me that the woman in the car had been following me. But then again, my instincts had cried wolf before. Oh my god, he got a good look at her. She is the worst tale ever. She's not a very good criminal if she's a criminal. I'm just saying. Uh, It's also a little icky and... No, that it's, this woman is pretty shitty at this. Of course, it's a woman. Um, all right, let's see here. So, and then we have some icky misogyny. misogyny. I literally have the note saying icky misogyny. I have what might be considered a very out of date and chauvinistic attitude about women. It's not icky misogyny. It's patriarchal bullshit in all caps. Maybe it's both. That, that too. It's a little bit it I like to treat women like ladies. I... He just, this is after he just finished. The pressure she was under now was my responsibility. Referring to Murphy. No, uh, uh, I, I guess I could call it an attitude of chivalry if I thought more of myself. Whatever you called it, Murphy was a lady in distress. My God. And I had put her there. It only seemed right that I should get her out of trouble too. Literally in ca- all caps, I wrote, yikes. Yeah, that is the, that's, that's the, the entire, entire podcast worth of yikes. Yeah. Um, and then he talked like, and then, then the kid, the, 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 the chapter actually gets kind of decent for like some of the information we're given. He talks about power. He says, I am a wizard. That means I have power and power and responsibility go hand in hand. I have a responsibility to use the power I've been given when there is a need for it. The FBI was not in any sense prepared to deal with a pack of ravening werewolves stalking down victims in the midst of a Chicago autumn. That was more my department. 
And then he talks about the blood on the piece of glass that he stole from the crime scene wrapped in his handkerchief. And this is, we learn a little bit more about the lore. Blood has a kind of power. I could use the blood, cast a spell that would allow, that would let me follow the blood back to the person who had spilled it. I could find the killer tonight, simply let my magic lead me to him or them. But, but it would have to be now. The blood was almost dry. And once it was, I would have a hell of a lot more trouble using it. We've seen this before where he used the blood under his fingernails from one of, um, from Cujo. No, it's not Cujo. That was uh, Gimpy. Gimpy. Sorry, sorry. That was Gimpy. That's right. Where he scratched him when he cut his hair. Um, and then he, you know, goes to the back of his car. And I just love this description. Uh, I took out a few wizardly implements. <laughs> my blasting rod, the replacement for my shield bracelet, and one other thing that no wizard should be left without. A Smith & Wesson 38 Ch Chief Special. So I looked, I I looked it up. Chief Special was just, um, it was called the Chief Special, and eventually the Chief just got dropped. But it's the same thing. Oh, okay. 38 Special, okay. Yeah. Um, I carried all of these back to the front of the car with me and got out the shard of glass with smeared blood. Then I made with the magic. <laughs> That's pretty great. There's another great line similar to that coming up in a little bit. Um, all right. And then we head into face first into chapter. What are we on? Five? Five. Yes, sir. Um, he does another tracking spell. Um, we, we come to learn that tracking spells are one of Harry's specialties, which is a good part, big part of why it makes sense for him to be a professional wizard. He finds lost items. Yeah. Um, that's and that's one of the things that I, I noted that like he says he found lost items and he's great at that tracking so that that you just put that together but I though they made sense to me but putting them together that directly is really brilliant Thank yeah you. no but he no but he he says it specifically he even talks about you know he big ups himself like it's not big up but like it's a particular like you have skill in different you know, like anything again like anything else magic is just a bunch of different skills on uh, how you control your power. And so like, there's different types of magic. Obviously we learned last um, novel about thaumaturgy versus evocation. Um, you know, there's also like something called earth magic we'll get to and tracking spells, whatever, but like different wizards have a different, you know, it's like, obviously there's these werewolves we get to later, like different, different people have different powers in different areas, right? Like, you know, some people are good at math. Some people are good at reading, right? Like same, same idea. Um, this just happens to be a, a good skill of his is that he can, he can whip up tracking spells really quickly and really effectively. Um, which again, he's a private, pri private messier. Like it makes sense. You know, it's a good, it's a subtle part of his character that they do talk about, but like you connect it to like, what would a private investigator wizard need to be able to do? Track people down. It's great. Um, and, uh, this is a different type of tracking spell. And I really like this one. Um, although there is some inconsistency in the description. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second, but, uh, he, he makes a circle obviously, and he takes, he has a small compass that he keeps in the beetle and he attaches that to the piece of the blood, um, on the glass. And what is going to happen is when he, he empowers the spell, the compass will, the needle of the compass will point in the direction of what the blood is connected to. I guess this is probably, um, thaumaturgy technically, but. Yeah, um, but it's connecting the you know the blood to the the source, and so the needle of the compass will point at them, and just like last the last tracking spell he mentioned it, um, but I really like it. Um, where's my other page? Oh no, 
There it is. Okay. Um, I really like, um, again, it's a way to cap the power level. I just think that's so important in a fantasy situation. Like you need to have limits to how powerful the characters can be. And obviously, you know, there's 18 novels and I'll tell you, Harry levels up as he goes, but as he, he levels up for reasons, he gets different items or different, you know, different opportunities to level up and get more power. Um, there's a, uh, a phenomenon in, in, in I, I think of it in video games. I think it's may have actually come from magic, the gathering, but Warcraft world of Warcraft is where I first heard it called power creep, where the creators of the game just like get new ideas and want to make something cool and to make mm. it cool. It's gotta be different than the other stuff. And so it's a little bit stronger. And then they find something else cool. That's just a little bit stronger. And eventually they call it power creep because it's just event. You know, everything gets way overpowered and the stuff that used to be good sucks because it, you know, it's, 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 you know, less powerful. Um, and, and that's something that like you don't you can't really do in the way that Butcher just defines magic, right? We talked about last week how he, you know, the limits on the powers, how much you can control. He gets better at magic and he gets more powerful with more skills and more equipment and more other things that we'll get to later. But the compass points straight. It doesn't tell him, you know, it's not like ways, it doesn't, you know, give him directions. It points, you know, like it's just as a fun disadvantage to the spell that like you know, it, it tells him where to go, but it just points to, you know, as the crow flies, like he's got to still got to weave through yeah. town. I just like those checks on power that Butcher builds into the lore. Um, yeah, I really did like that. I, I noticed that too. And yeah, I but it's just, he just has that in most situations where like, you know, Harry gets really exhausted when he uses too much magic, you know, like there's checks on the power. You, you can't just solve everything with magic. Like that would be boring. Yeah. And so he, he makes it make sense within the framework of the story, which I just really love. Um mm-hmm. And uh, he heads out and he ends up at a, uh, an old abandoned um, department store, apparently, um, in somewhere in the, in the bad part of town by, I think he said by Loyola, but the kids go to Chicago. Um, he says by the university, okay, doing... I believe. I don't think he specifies. Okay. It's near Washington Park and Burnham Park. Okay, though. so it, is, it must be by Chicago University because they mentioned there were killings at, by Loyola, but... I know we, we meet some of these characters later that they go to Chicago, they study at Chicago. Um, and he, he, he hears the alphas fighting. Um, Billy and Georgia seem to be the two leaders of the factions and they're trying to decide what they're going to do. If they, if they find out about us, we don't know who they is. We don't know what about them they're finding out. You know, they're these nerdy kids in like biker leather. It seems very strange. Um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh, he did. He had a description. I have to find that. What is the description about the kids in the biker leather? He like more at home with a pocket protector or something like that. Than the, than the well, he blo- says, holy, I was a teenage oh, werewolf. Yeah, he does say that. And then he says they looked more like a group of computer nerds geared up for leather. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so he's sitting in the shadows watching them. And then the woman who was tra- tailing them comes in and says, I was followed. We have to get out of here. And Harry's like, how the fuck did she know I was following her? And she seems to be able to look into the shadows and see him. He's not sure, mm-hmm. but it seems to, that she can. And she says, um, no, grab hands. And they turn out the lights. And then there's now a wolf in the room with Harry as he's trying to follow them in the dark. Um, I love it how he says, like, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I did it anyway. Yeah. Which is a great, that's yeah. kind of who Harry is. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but what if I did? Um, that's kind of the story of, like, probably my 20s i probably shouldn't be doing this but i mean hey it works (laughs) 
Owen Wilson's book novel that he writes in uh, Royal Tenenbaums is huh. now we all know General Custer died at the Battle of Little Bighorn. But what my novel presupposes is what if he didn't? <laughs> this is we all know Harry shouldn't be doing this, but what his decision making presupposes is what if he does it anyway? Um, yeah. And he obviously gets into power. He gets into a or problems. He gets into a tussle with a gigantic wolf who could have murdered mm -hmm. him and decided not to. She disarmed him. Um, and then as that's a big fat why on that, that, that I noted that, you know, they could have, he could have been dead. And, you know, it was a, a why. his face off like the other guy, like Spike. Um, and as Harry's problems tend to, they multiply. Um, someone is now behind him with a gun saying, get your hands up, get your ass down on the ground, whatever. Shoves him on the ground, knee in the back, handcuffs him, and then says, Harry? Oh, Murphy, this is going to be one of those conversations, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's the, the, the great end of the chapter where we don't know who she is. And then when he finds out and he, you know, call me crazy, but I'm not big on defiance when I've got a gun rammed against my skull. Yeah, it's uh, I carefully set down the 38 in my left hand and moved my fingers away from it. Uh, that's the other thing. He mentioned that it was in his left pocket and that he puts it away with his left hand. Is he left-handed? That's a very good question. I don't think so. It's a super random, like, um, thing I notice, And it's literally just super nerdy, but okay. So we find out, I know, um, we, we get that they did it again. They didn't communicate again. Well, I just love that she's pissed at him and he's like, what the fuck? You're here too. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when he said, you found a lead and followed it and you didn't contact me. And he says, those who live in glass houses, Lieutenant. <laughs> I said it and sat up, my hand still held tightly behind my back. There wasn't time. It was hot and I couldn't afford to wait or I might have lost it. Murphy grunted. How did you find this place? I'm a wizard, I told her and waggled my arms as best I could. Magic! What else? I tried to waggle his arms in handcuffs. I love that. Yes, and I love it. And he's like, how about you? I'm a cop, she said. A car tailed us back to McNally's from the murder scene. And I waited until it was gone and followed it back here. I mean, I, they're just two paths to the same exact location. Exact people. Like they're just, the, the thing about they each are. other, they do. Like, they both noticed they're being tailed, didn't mention it. And then they both tailed the tailor, didn't mention it. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. And so she's, you know, they figure out, you know, that she's going to put an APB out and he's like, hold on. Cause she's like, well, you know, you used your spell. You found the murderer. And he's like, hold on, hold on. My spell didn't tell me that the woman was the killer, only that it was her blood on scene. And she's like, whose side are you on anyway? Uh, and he said, you still don't get it, Murphy. I said, my own temper rising a little. You don't start something with the kind of people who live in the boogity land unless you're willing to take it all the way, right there, right then. If you start harassing a pack of werewolves, setting the police after them, you've just declared war. You better be ready to fight it. And she's, this is annoying too, the way he describes her. She thrust, Murphy thrust her jaw out. Don't worry about me. I can handle it. Like she's a fucking child and throwing a temper tantrum. That bothered me how he described that. Um, he's saying, I'm not saying you can't, but whoever it was that tore apart Spike isn't the same thing that was in the dark room with me. And, you know, that's when he says he could have killed me and it didn't. And this is, we get a little bit of history from our wolves about our wolves, a little bit of information here, which I thought was, it's important. 
Um, oh, the actual actual wolves, yeah. Actual wolves, but it 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 does give us a little bit of great storytelling and and great like this is what we need to be concerned about. This is what his concerns are. Well, it right explains now. why werewolves are a thing. Yeah, I like. Yeah. But he says, Murphy, it's been nearly 100 years since the wolf went extinct, extinct in most of the United States. You've got no idea, none of us, none at all, of how dangerous they can be. A wolf can run faster than you can drive a car through most of Chicago. His jaws can snap your thigh bones with one jerk. A wolf can see the heat of your body in the complete dark and can count the hairs on your head from 100 yards off by starlight. He can hear your heart beating 30 or 40 yards away. The wolf that, that was there in the dark with me could have killed me easy it didn't it disarmed me even after i'd hit it and then it left and she's like that doesn't mean anything maybe the killer knows you maybe it didn't want to risk killing a wizard maybe just maybe the wolf did it to throw you off maybe it spared you just so you could you would react in this way just to avoid suspicion maybe this is an interesting the the physical writing in this it's it's maybe Maybe, maybe, a lot of fucking maybes. Because this is telling me neither of them know shit. Oh, yeah. But again, Murphy's just trying to be a hard ass because she's mad at him, I think. Yeah. But it's maybe, maybe, maybe. And then he just replies, maybe. But I don't think so. (laughs) The kids I saw. But he talks her into not putting up the ABV. And that's really... Yeah, they're just picking at each other because they're in a fight. (laughs) And they know how to piss each other off. And Exactly, because they're like siblings. And, you know, she's, he says, you know, I'll, I'll write you a report about werewolves. I'll get more information. And he's like, I'll give it to you in the morning. And she's like, that long? Like, we have to wait that long? He's like, in the morning. And then she agreed to that. And she says, so she, her flashlight pops out. And she sighs. And she said, this is a great, again, great line to end the, end the chapter. Nothing ever works right when you're here. Sometimes, Harry, she said, I really hate hanging out with you. <laughs> That's again their just their relationship. That was like a it's it was like a friendly like I hate hanging. That's the shit you say to your friends right there. Like that was her like not coming around, but like kind of like realizing like they both need to get better. It's not just hair. You know what I mean? Like I I'm I'm de- but, like le- leaning. Yeah, really, no, both of them. I'm to. leaning really heavy into that one line, but like you, that's not something you say to someone you're you're like you hate. You know what I mean? Like that's something you say to your buddy. Like oh, I fucking hate hanging out with you. All this shit happens. You know what I mean? Like so like. She's, she realizes that, you know, when those who live in glass houses, Lieutenant, like, I think she realizes they're both doing the same thing and, like, she can't only be mad at him. I, I don't know. Maybe, like I said, maybe I'm reading too deeply into it, but, like, I'm starting to really like Murphy in this, in this book, which is not a thing that I did before. Different. I mean, we're kind of digging it apart, so you're seeing more, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind Oh, yeah, of cool. no, I mean, like, I'm, I really am, again, this is not my second or third run through this novel. Like I've gone through these a dozen times. Um, 2014, I didn't realize it was that long ago. Um, but if I've gone like, again, a yeah. couple times a year since 2014. So that's, um, I, that's and I've, I'm still picking stuff up because again, like that's what, again, why I wanted to do this pod with you in particular was to mm-hmm. dig into this kind of thing. I mean, I I've held this book against Murphy for another 15 novels. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, I don't like Murphy in a large in large part because of her characterization in this book. Like, I, if that's who she is, I don't want her to be friends with my wizard. But uh, either way, carry on. 
No, it's that's the end of the chapter. Well, oh, then don't carry on. Don't steal my chapter. <laughs> um, so Harry gets back home. Um, he gets to his house. He lights a fire. I think he stopped trying to fight with light bulbs at home. Yeah. And just he, he says he's got no electrical stuff in his house. So yeah. But he says his house is real cold until he lights a fire. Um, Mister comes up and rubs against him and almost tackles him, which I, lo- I just love, Mister. I uh, I picked up my cat, my fifteen year old cat's ashes today. I'm Aww. gonna. Yeah. Um, but he it's funny, he also like he doesn't say, Well, Mr. is my cat, da 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 da. He just kind of like fills it in, oh Mr. Purrs, Mr. the cat, da da da. And I like how he does that where it's not like we were talking about those heavy handed. Yeah. Again, I it I, it must have been there must have been something going on. Um even like thinking like Harry Potter, like at least through like three or four, Harry tells the whole story in chapter one. Like Yeah. Like Harry Dresden here, like I guess he, Harry doesn't tell the story, but the uh, narrator tells the story because um, that's not first person. Yeah, in but, Harry Potter, yeah. But like Harry doesn't do that. There, it, it, I mean, it's an adult series, which is different, certainly. Yeah. Um, and you know, they, but they give, give the audience some credit while still being a little schlock. Like it, it's it's you know, like uh, it's Marvel. You know, it's it's the same kind of like it's actiony, it's fun, it's cool, it's it's yeah. fantasy. It's not trying to be you know win any awards it's it's just trying well, I mean, probably trying to win cool fantasy awards but it's not trying to win like the nobel prize for literature it's yeah. it's a it's a great it's just a fun series about cool yeah. characters that do cool shit and it's awesome yeah. and that's not to detract from his art again last episode i was calling him a genius and uh, like i was marveling at some of the way he was writing the action scenes and like the way he was building tension with his sentence structure like he's capable of doing incredible things and as we get into this series it's just bananas um it's just it's a, it's not quite at that level in this one. So again, I, whatever, you know, it's fine. Um, it just is what it is. But, um, either way, Harry gets, uh, Mr. Comes up and I, but I love that he doesn't have to rehash. I mean, he, they do. And in some cases heavy handed, but it's, you know, it's more natural again with, with the beetle and with hair, with, um, Mr. And stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but he, uh, he has to get the, uh, talk to Bob because Bob is the expert on most things. Magic. And he's going to help him out with the um, werewolf document. He's going to get all the uh-huh. info on werewolf for Murphy. And he's also going to make a couple of potions, um, which obviously are fun and exciting. We liked those last time where yes. uh, they are eight ingredients. They have a base, liquid, five ingredients tied to all the norm- five natural senses, and then one for the mind and one for the will. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's making two potions. Um, one is a pick me up he wants to uh, basically a, a night a night's sleep in a in a sports bottle um so it, the, the base for that one is coffee and you know it's basically trying to wake awake me up give him a little bit of jolt of energy um mm-hmm. just, why does he use jolt cola for that one that's true um <laughs> but uh and the other one and i love the conversation between him and bob where he's trying to talk about trying to hide from a werewolf and yeah. Bob says, that's basically impossible. Like they're, they're too good at sniffing you out. Is it? Well, um, you, you would need a, um, a greater ring of invisibility, not like a cloak of shadows. Like that won't, that wouldn't even cut. It. He's like, Do, am I made of money? Okay, it's just like great lore, like world building without telling us anything. <laughs> like apparently a greater ring of invisibility is really expensive. Um, <laughs> and, uh, 
he can't afford it. So he made of money. So he's going to make a blending brew, Bob calls it, which I love. And the idea is he's just going to blend into the background. They'll never notice you. They don't notice you in the first place. They can't track you. Um, and that the base of that one is water, which I like. Um, just everything right. in that one is boring. Elevator music. You know, it's just it's yeah. just um, he does put a uh, a ray of dawn sunshine for sight in the uh, coffee, the pick me up potion, which I love. Um, you know, we talked about the non-corporeal, non-concrete ingredients that he likes to use just great great stuff um and then they start talking about werewolves and that's really the meat and potatoes of the of the chapter um the potions are fun obviously and i love it but like what there's a ton of lore on werewolves it's a little expositiony um there's a bit of a dump I, you know when bob tells tells it bob is great at making it you know, bob, the character bob is great at making the exposition less tedious um because we're, but in this case, we're learning this information at the same time as Harry is. That's true, and it's great, and yeah. it's it's really cool stuff. Um, but oh, sorry, I forgot the line that I wanted to get to right before he goes down the steps. He says, "Let the wizardry commence." Yes, <laughs> I highlighted that as like a great, great freaking quote. That's spectacular. Agreed. And so there are, uh, I believe, there's four types of werewolves. Five types. Uh, of werewolves. Five types of werewolves. Okay. So we'll go through them and we'll figure out how many are. Um, okay. He also does the, uh, uh, how many werewolves? Is it, what's that? What kind of wolves? Werewolves, Bob. Werewolves. Yeah. Their wolf. Their castle. Yes. Which is a uh, young Frankenstein um, reference, which I yes. love. Um, uh, any, you know, any reference to that's great. Um, he talks about all the different kinds of lupine theriomorphs. Because also... he was... What's up? How much do you know about werewolves, Bob? Plenty. I was in France during the Inquisition. And then he just moves on. I love that. Oh, God. I, I love Bob. That's probably why I give him so much credit. Um, he uh, also, James Marster's voice for Bob is great. Which, oh, my God. It's Spike. Yeah, it's, it's very close to Spike. It's not quite very Spike. close to Spike. It's a little more uh, polished than Spike. Spike's more rough yeah, and tumble. Yeah. Cool yeah. guy. Nice cool guy with soul. Um, but we go through all the different types of lupine theriomorphs. Um, there's the werewolf, the standard kind where it's a, it's a human with a, the ability to cast a spell. Like I said last time, certain, and earlier today actually, right? Certain people have an ability to cast you know, an area of magic that they can focus on, and they might not be very good at other stuff. Um, this type of werewolf, they probably can either cast only that spell, or that's just the spell they're best at, and they can get change into wolf and change back they maintain their mind and soul so they they don't have the same instincts as a wolf they have all the powers of wolf the smell and the you know the eyesight and the force and power and ability and speed um but it's he says it takes a long time for them to kind of learn how to be a wolf you're starting from scratch um the other kind would be of, of werewolf would be if someone turn uses their magic to turn you into a werewolf which mm -hmm. Which is, where's the word? I wrote it down. Oh, it's on my other page here. Um, which, breaks, which breaks the second law of magic, um, actually and truly. And, and he says, that, that's illegal, Bob. Like, that would be terrible. And Bob's like, like yeah, I mean, it basically kills you. Um, yeah. He's like, that's, ter that's awful. And Bob's like, I don't know. I mean, it's effective. Transmogrification. Transmogrification. There you go. Um, Bob says, "You mortals have any idea of evil and good? I just tell you, it works. It turns somebody into a you turn somebody into a wolf. They turn into a wolf, um, and they actually lose their um, 
their consciousness. They, their brain, it's basically murder. They turn, that's why it's against the laws of magic. There's a, um, in A Song of Ice and Fire, the, the uh, epilogue and prologue chapters are not by main characters. Okay. And every, so I don't know if you know this, but A Song of Ice and Fire is also first person narrative, narrator, but it, every chapter rotates to a different perspective. Okay. So sometimes you'll be, you know, this guy, and then you're a different woman, you're, you're different people. You bounce all over the, the world of Westeros and with different perspectives of what's happening. And they all connect. And again, that's why these books take so goddamn long for George, uh, George Martin, <laughs> Martin to, to make. But it's a, just an interesting way to tell a story. It really is awesome and cool. Um, but the, ep- the prologues and epilogues are all about si- like random characters, and they always die. Um. <laughs> Like they, the epilogue and the prologue, like they always die. That's not even a spoiler. They just those characters die. Um, in those chapters, there's a one of the prologues for I want to say Winds of Winter, but is about a warg, one of the guys that is a uh, he, um, shift shapeshifts into, or he doesn't shape he he doesn't shapeshift, but he can control animals. So he's like he's okay. a shadow, shadow cat and a, you know, a bear and these wolf three wolves that he controls, and he can jump his consciousness into them. And, you know, when he's oh. sleep, sleeping or whatever, and he can go control the wolf and go hunting or whatever. There's a number of characters in the story that can do that. But this guy in particular is really one of a really good warg. But he talks about, as he, you know, as he's sitting there dying of the cold, he ran away from a battle and he's dying of a wound and he's cold. Um, his, all the things his mentor told him. Um, and one of them is like, if you stay too long, you know, when you die, your consciousness can go into an animal but it's just like what Harry's talking about. Like you can control it for a little bit, but eventually you just are a wolf. And the chapter, you know, he start, you know, he ends up having to shift, you know, to send his consciousness, his body dies. He shifts, spoiler alert, he shifts into a wolf. And the end of the chapter is he's like licking somebody's butt or something. He's, he's a wolf. Like, I don't know, he's not actually doing that, but he's there very much. Yeah. He's, he's already not Varamir Sixkins anymore. He's a wolf, um, which is just an Hexen interesting. Wolf. That's the one where you use somebody else's, magic no no i'm not there yet oh sorry that's not there but it's the same idea of when you use what was the word transmortification to turn someone into a wolf that's not their choice that is you making okay you can't transform somebody without wiping out their mind it's practically murder there we go exactly and then the hex hex and wolf the hex and wolf is you're using someone else's magic, but you're using a talisman. So you can control okay, it. Gotcha, you, gotcha. you basically have an on off switch, um, whether it's a belt. He says, sometimes it's a ring, but usually it's a belt. You have a belt strapped around your, your waist and you can kind of either press a button or do a little, you have to do a little incantation or you know, whatever, rub it. I don't know, but it's got an on off switch basically <laughs> where you can turn, you turn yourself in, you turn yourself into a wolf, but with someone else's power, you don't have to be a, a, a wizard to do it. That's why it's useful. But it also, you're basically taking on some evil spirit and you're losing your mind in a different way there. You're just being overtaken by your the, the baser forces of nature. Well, and, and he, he says it's really efficient. A huge wolf with human level intelligence and animal level ferocity. But I love it. It's really efficient. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Bob doesn't fuck around with ethics and morals. He tells you what works. Um and uh then they talk about the um Loop Guru is the last one. And <laughs> a great quote, some good quotes on this one. But Loop Guru is basically you have to be cur it's usually you're cursed to turn into this disgusting, ravenous, unstoppable monster of a wolf, mm-hmm. usually around the full moon. And um 
he, uh, you know, uh, what was it? I had a thought there, but he, um, oh, and the way to step, that's where the silver, Bob, or Harry keeps asking, silver bullets? And Harry's like, no, but Bob's like, no, silver bullets? No, silver bullets? No, this one is the silver bullets, but it has to be inherited silver. Yes. Which I loved. I just love that idea that, like, has, there's a sacrifice to it. It has to be something that has passed mm-hmm. down through your family. Um, and, um, and Harry says, why does that matter? He says, I don't make the laws of magic, Harry. I just know what they are and have an idea when they're changing, which is kind of tells you what Bob's power is. I love that line. And for how that long he's been alive for or around for. Yeah, I think he said four, 400 or so years. He, gives, yeah. he was flattering him earlier. Um, we do find out later some of the other wizards he worked with um, in the past, but we obviously don't have that full chain. It's interesting. I'm curious. I, I would love to know who he started with 400 years ago. Um, I have an idea. Um, and he says, um, if it was a looper, you'd know in the middle of this town, you'd have a dozen people dead every time the full moon comes around. What's going on? And Harry says, a dozen people are dying every time the full moon comes around. (laughs) I really appreciate that. (laughs) At one point, I don't know if it's this chapter or the one before where he, he, Harry calls himself your friendly neighborhood wizard. I, I just, like he it. says it here. That left only me, Harry Dresden, your friendly neighborhood wizard, to step in and do something about it. I just love the Spider-Man reference there. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, no, that line's for later. All right, I think that's where are we at? Uh, yeah, hex and wolves, werewolves, and lycanthropes, loop guru. What will they think of next? And that's the end of that chapter. I don't like that. There's not a name for the other type of werewolf. There's two werewolves. Yeah. Um, also, I do like Bob's description. Where he's like, "Where bear, where goats." Where, where Buffalo, um, yes, Buffalo, like usually predators, but some Native American shamans can do Buffalo. Um, I love that. It's great. Um, are we at the end or did I miss something? That's the end. Nope. You're good. I have notes on like two, two monitors over four different pages and I'm struggling. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. All right. So in chapter eight, we see Harry go to drop his report off. He's turning in his paper to the teacher at the, uh, p- precinct and he gets there a couple minutes before eight. Uh, and he, notices... I almost spit out my champagne when you said that. <laughs> what? Gets there a little early, a few minutes before eight? No, the turning the note to project to his teacher. Oh, right? his, yeah, it is. It's kind of what it is. Like having... it's, it's, okay. it's, it's cooks very cheap champagne, but, okay. <laughs> but you know... we're living a life of luxury over here. $9 a bottle. Uh, but it's funny because that's what it made me think of. Like when you're in college and you're like, just shit's do at nine. Oh, All right, that's, it's that's funny. Eight, I love it. Forty five. Um, and he and it's, it's, he groggily, you know, he's very he hadn't gotten much sleep the night before, but he had showered and dressed nicely before he left the house in neat business clothes. Well, that's but he said that usually he's, he's wearing a, uh, like a he rolled out of bed western well, t-shirt and a western shirt and blue jeans. Yeah. Uh, but he says that he he can detect a sense of uneasy uneasiness from the cops that he's passed along the way. Apparently, I was carrying a distinct odor with the law at the moment. So I want to talk like he dressed up for Murphy. He wanted to look more respectable. Like I, again, these are I didn't notice that one either. Like because he knows what's going on. Their relationship is so much deeper than I like mm-hmm. fucking gloss. I've read this a dozen times at least. <laughs> Like their relation again. I've never really sat and like picked it apart and tried to find deeper meaning in every yeah. every sentence like this. But like, this is a really interesting. Like, there's little pieces like of their 
like he cares. He yeah. wants to fucking help her out. So he got dressed up. That's fucking so cute. I love it. It is. It's good. You know, but that it, it says about him, you know, and, and it's the cops are looking at him funny. He's no longer he he's. He's basically he's he's rumored as being in bed with Johnny Marcone. Yeah. He's bad guy. Um, so and this is a little bit of a yikes. I was muttering to myself and deep in my own sleep deprived thoughts when I bumped into a tall, lovely woman, dark of hair and eye, full of mouth, long of leg. She was wearing a tan skirt and jacket with a crisp white blouse. Her raven brows furrowed in consternation until she looked up at me. Then her eyes glowed with a sort of friendly avarice. It's, it's like he's writing a different novel every time a, a woman shows up. Oh, it like tur- another. It, it turns into a totally different genre. It's so fucking weird. I mean, this is his girlfriend, so like, I get it. Like, like yeah, it's still sort sort of girlfriend. I guess they're but, like they're no. uh, they're what are they? Uh, what's the face used to have on Facebook? Complicated. Complicated. He, that's his. She's his. It's complicated. But like, which I, you know, the person you're with and care about, like is the fucking sexiest thing ever right that's that's like what it is you know like so like i do it's just but it's just but again that just the right and then he talks about how she paused drawing a little breath it made her chest rise and fall most attractive just the like the entire like the the way it's written it's he's writing a different novel skeezy it's, it's just, just a little it's skeezy. a different genre it's so gross and weird and it's it like is. it's so disconnected from everything else it's not even noir it's just weird <laughs> um yeah it is weird it's very weird it's it's stepped out of the noir we don't have as much noir moments in this anyway they tra- they tried a little bit of information and um set a date they you know so got of. a date Say and you know have a date. yeah i'll call you about dinner all right and he says, all right, I'm bringing a report on werewolves to Murphy. Not a word about werewolves until this, like, very, very clumsily says this. Why and she cool? says, is, is that... Thinking... No, he's doing her a solid. Is that what it is? I just... It was... Yeah. I thought it was a little no, weird. I, no, I think he's, um, he's trying... He's just... Oh, I'm not... I can't tell you anything, but I have to get this report on werewolves to Murphy. Da, 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 da. That's how I read it. I, um, I, must give, I must give Harry so much credit. I, I hate, I don't hate him. I like, I, I love but, the series. Well, and it's, but like, and I, I get on him all the time. But no, I, I think that was him taking care of his girl. You don't, you didn't see it that way? Not it's, really. It's bad. No, it's just I, bad storytelling. It felt a little bit uh, clumsy. clumsy. Like bad um, storytelling or what do you mean? I don't know if it's bad storytelling. It's just like a clumsy, maybe ploy. It felt very clumsy. By, by Butcher or by Harry? By butcher. Okay. Yeah. Um, but when the, but then she gives him a little bit of information. So maybe it was maybe it is an exchange of information. Yeah. And because she said I was trying to talk to an internal affairs investigator. Um, words that they're putting a pressure on Murphy to try to clear her out. And um, we get a little bit of Harry's an interesting perspective by Harry. He says people don't want to believe in magic anymore or things that go bump in the dark. For the most part, they're happier not knowing. And that's true yeah but then we also learn another bit of lore harry harry says you can't photograph anything really supernatural i pointed out the energies around things like that will mess up cameras besides the stuff i'm dealing with right now is too dangerous you could get hurt again he's trying to fucking protect her and it's so fucking annoying at least he's telling so in this in this i'm trying to figure out i'm trying to figure out is it you mess up cameras because they won't show up on film 
like the whole vampire lore or is it because of the technology because if it's the whole vampire lore you can't take a picture of a supernatural he is technically supernatural because he's a wizard but some kid recognized him in the arcane from his picture i mean yeah but again he's a human being with power which is different than being fully supernatural because he didn't say immortal he said just supernatural well again that's i think that's just shorthand right like supernatural could be anything like you know my shoes could be supernatural they're really fast um it's just an adjective it's not really it's not specific but but that's you know that was my you know just one of my questions um but then you know he he again just i'm I'm hand waving (laughs) um he says so susan i'm not going to tell you anything it's for your own good as much as mine he's trying to protect again which is annoying we get a little rundown about susan that we already know um but then he also says uh but one thing one thing i'm not is a boring date because he has taken her on, he, she was with the Toad Demon. That whole thing. It's fair. Uh, and then, and if you pretend the love potion wasn't involved at all, then it's great. Then it's not so creepy. It's funny. Uh, and then Dresden runs into Agent Denton. He, he, this is kind of an interesting kind of description. There were bags under his gray eyes, but they were still calculating, assessing, and the vein in his forehead bulged with hypertension. Kind of appreciate that. Um, you know, and he's trying to get by him and say, you know, to give her something. And he's like, now's not the best time, Mister Dresden. He didn't look at my eyes. Underline exclamation point bolded. And so, when he sp- So he's clued in. And when he spoke, his voice was very quiet. Look, Dresden. I know what happened last night didn't look good. But believe me when I say that I've got nothing against Lieutenant Murphy. She's a good cop and she does her job. But she's got to follow the rules like everyone else. Okay. And then he tells him, him, he's giving him information here, that there's an agent from IA in her office that's getting hassled by some reporter, which is funny. And then, you know, he's like, oh, you know about the investigation she un- she's under? And he says, it's too much. It's, mu- it's to be expected. Some things considered, all things considered. Too much of what has happened in the past looks suspicious. And Harry says, you really don't believe, do you? You don't believe that I'm a wizard. You don't believe in the supernatural. And Denton gives a non-answer. What I believe doesn't matter, Mr. Dresden. What is important is that a lot of the scum out there believe in it. It affects the way they think and operate. If I could make use of your advice to solve this case, I would. The same as any other law law officer. He glanced at me and added, Personally, I think you're either slightly unstable or a very intelligent charlatan. No offense. And then he offers to, to take the report to drop it on her desk. And he's like, you can go down the hall and call her. Doesn't matter to me, but I don't mind helping out a straight cop. And he said, I appreciate it, Agent Denton. And then Denton says, Phil, he's, he's inviting him to call him by his first name. I don't know if this is any level of import, but I did note he has given him his full name. Ooh, I like it. And he says, do you mind if I take a look at it? Well, he hasn't given his full name, though. Well, his, uh, he's given him enough of his name. He's certainly given him two of his names, though. That's big. Yes. Um, he's like, but I hope you like fiction, Phil. <laughs> and he, Phil opens up the folder and says, you can't possibly be serious. I said, don't. He said, don't knock it. I've helped, out, I've helped Murphy out before. And then he, this is. And, and so Harry says, hey, Phil. Or, oh, hey, oh, hey, Phil. We're both on the same team here, right? Both of us looking for the killer. He nodded. I nodded back. What is it you're not telling me? He stared for a long moment and then blinked slowly. 
The lack of reaction gave him away. I don't know what you're talking about, Mr. Dresden, he said. Sure you do, I told him. You know something or you can't, or, and you know something you can't or won't tell me, right? So why not just put it out on the table now? Denton glanced up and down the hall and repeated in precisely the same tone of voice, I don't know what you're talking about, Mr. Dresden. Do you understand? I didn't understand, but I didn't want him to know that, so I just nodded again. Denton nodded back and turned and went to the SI office. I was like, I had no fucking clue what was going on. So I just said, yeah, okay. I got it. I got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, a big dog. But he also says, except for that one flash of insight the night before, I was having trouble reading him. Which makes sense. You know, he's an FBI agent. He should have a good poker face. And then he goes down the hall, calls Murphy, and they don't have any banter. And he, and he said he, he hadn't really gotten to speak to Murphy, that they hadn't had the chance to exchange our usual banter. It bothered me that I couldn't just walk into her office anymore. Made me feel a little queasy and tense inside. So this whole change really does affect him uh, with Murphy. And so he heads out downstairs and um, Roger Harris, FBI agent Roger Harris, the redheaded forensics kid, walks up to and says, I, I, need, I need to know, Mr. Dresden. I mean, I wanted to ask you last night, but I, I couldn't. But I need to ask you now. He glanced around again, restless as a rabbit, when a fox goes by and said, Are you for real? A lot of people ask me that, Agent Harris. I said, I'll tell you what I tell them. Try me and see. He says, All right. Can I hire you? Hire me? For what? I think... I think I know something about the Lobo killings. I tried to get Denton to let us check it out, but he said there, there wasn't enough evidence. We'd never be able to get a surveillance put on them. And then... This is a, this interchange is entertaining and shows a little bit of Harris's naivety. There's a gang in Chicago, Harris began. No kidding, I asked, affecting puzzlement. It was lost on the kid. Yeah, they call themselves the Street Wolves. They've got a really rough reputation, even in this town. A spooky reputation. Even the criminals won't go near them. They say that the gang has strange powers. Street Wolf territory is down by the 49th Street Beach, he stared at me intently. Down by the university. And he said, yeah, right down there. You see what I'm getting at? I see, kid. I see. I told him and rubbed at my eye. Denton couldn't go there and look around, so he sent you down here to get me to do it. The kid flushed, his skin turning bright red until his freckles vanished. I, uh, don't worry about it. You didn't do a bad job with the act, but you've got to get up pretty early in the morning, etc. And, you know, Harry's asking about his fee. And he said, well, no, officially you're a suspect source as a consultant. Uh, which is funny. And uh, he says, okay, in exchange, tell Denton I want information the FBI or Chicago police has on me. He wants a copy of his files. And he says, I could get them through the Freedom of Information Act. I just don't want to spend the time or postage. And so they make a deal. And Harry's going to get the information that the police and the FBI have. And they're going to get Harry to go, as he says, poke around a biker gang's lair. Ask them if they happen to have killed some people lately. Which seems like a bad exchange for our... Possibly go wrong. <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> but, you know, shit's getting complicated. And, again, what could possibly go wrong at the end of a, a chapter? I love it. And you're on to chapter nine. And chapter nine is him deciding to do this very quality exchange of services. Um, doing something that he could do for a dollar... 
Um, and then risking his life. That's a fair trade. Yeah, hmm. I don't have to spend a dollar. I'm going to go almost die. Um, and make an enemy for life. That sounds like a fun exchange. I love this idea. <laughs> um, Harry goes down to uh, the full moon garage. It's very on the nose. Um, it uh, appears empty, but uh, there's you know a couple doors are locked. There's a side door he goes in, and it's completely dark. And he realizes, eh, I done fucked up. Um, it is a bunch of people growling at him, and um, they say, you know, drop, show us your hands, drop your weapon. Uh, you know, he's like, oh, why don't you come over here so I can see? He's like, we got, no, you don't give the orders here, Harry. Um, and basically, they, these are lycanthropes. We, they're clearly mad because the full moon. Um, they want to eat Harry's face, I think. Maybe have sex with it. I don't know. It's very weird. Um, there's some sexual undertones for sure with the lycanthropes. Um, and maybe they want to eat it and have sex with it. I'm not sure what order operations they're looking for. Um, but uh, it's very clear that they want to hurt him. And there's definitely... So there's Parker. Seems Where to be did, you the, get, did you get that from the kill him, kill him, kill him chant? Well, yes, that too. But before <laughs> that, it's just fucking creepy. Um but it's it's Parker is the leader. He but he's getting old. Um, and there's a woman. Do we have get her name in this one? We don't. I don't think we get it later. You don't get many um, names. So there's a woman who wants. Who's basically? It sounds like she's either second in command or kind of like the want the the one who's ride the rising power in the pack of lycanthropes. Um, who wants to just go destroy and tear apart Harry? You know, Harry tries to say like. They say, you're a cop. He's like, no, 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 I work for, I work for Marcone. Like, fuck you. We know that's not true. Like, ah, fuck. (laughs) I got no other options. I don't have any weapons. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, they want to to kill him. And Parker's like, calm down. Like, we can't just eat a guy. Um, And so Harry starts backing out. Um, They, you know, they rush him and he he uses his, his ring, which is kind of a a cool expanded lore. He has Mm -hmm. a ring on his wrist or his wrist on his finger um and eventually those progress as well he gets better at the skill of making those and empowering those but but what he does is basically he you know uses some of this i I think these ones are he just as every step he takes you know you you swing your hand you swing your arms a little bit of that kinetic energy gets stored in the ring and if you wear the ring for a week a month a couple months um it builds up quite a bit of power there's a maximum amount obviously but i think it's a couple I think it's a couple weeks worth of just walk. That's the thing is why it's cool is that he built it so that you, I don't know if you learned that this novel or later, but like, that's what it is. It's his, that's why his ring has power is he empowers it by just walking around and every step he takes, he gets a little bit of kinetic energy stored in the ring, which is a really cool piece of lore. Again, yeah. whenever, whenever they get to it uh, way later, he ends up using a speed bag to really juice it up real quick. But um, again, actually I have this question um, for, our our listeners really um i don't this is a type of of series where i really don't feel like some of the lore conversations are really that spoilery um i don't know I, I, send us an email at, uh the podcast is on fire at gmail.com let me know like i feel like describing some of the progression of lore helps build the story and make it more entertaining, but I definitely don't want to ruin it for new readers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, don't, I don't think it does to know that that's how he charges his ring. I obviously, yeah, not, I'm not gonna, reasonable. I'm definitely not going to get into story beats. You know, I'm not going to, you know, spoil the story because that's cool. And it, but mm-hmm. the, the lore is, is kind of 
there. It's already there, even if he doesn't explain it yet. Um, but yeah, shoot us an email. Let us know. Uh, the podcast was on fire at gmail.com. We'd love to know your thoughts. Um, cause I, I really want it to be what you guys want. I, I mean, I want, I want to walk new people through this story and I want to help mm-hmm. old people. Again, I'm deep, deep. I'm like deconstructing it as I go through this. I'm learning that I didn't read this as in depth as I thought. Well, um, it's just sometimes you see things when you converse about things, you have different perspectives on stuff. And that's true about a lot of literature, a lot of movies, a lot of anything, you know, absolutely. any piece of art where it's, it's, it, and that's the cool part about us doing this is that we are, we're talking about the differences. We're talking about things that we see and, and our life experiences have given us kind of different perspectives on things, which is great yeah. because that's what we should be doing. And whether or not, again, this is, this is where death of the author comes in. Death of the author is a term when you're breaking down any piece of art, what they intended yeah certainly matters as far as like how you know, good or bad it is, but like as far as problematic stuff, but, but what, how you interpret it is it's how you interpret it. That's, that is what, that is what the piece of art is to you. So, you know, how, you know, when I say these things, like, did he mean, to, is that really important? It is because it's important to me. Um, it's just an interesting way to approach literature. And basically we're having a book club here and, and it's great. I love it. And I'm really excited to continue this. And this is, where it's really interesting, like on the, the good, exciting novels, I think it'll, it'll be fun and great. It's going to be awesome, but we're just going to fly through those. You know, it's going to be great. But the, 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 the tricky ones, you know, the, the ones that slog a little bit, those are going to be, I think, more interesting conversations because why does it not work? You know what I mean? That, that's, that's the question. Um, what did work and what didn't, I, I think is way more interesting than uh, this novel was good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, so very cool. But um, where did I, where was I? You talked about the, you know, that the, the pack and that, you know, he might not have a choice to die. Uh, and then he, oh, then... Rings. Oh, no, I was talking about rings. Oh, rings. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so that's how he powers up the ring. And as Parker, you know, Parker's beating back, it has to beat back his uh, crew, but Harry basically punches Parker, but he's not punching him. He's use he's exploding, not exploding, but he's, Using energy. using all the power in the ring, he's releasing it at Parker. So basically, he's you know getting hit by a, a car, basically a little car, a smart car, um, blasting him back. And Harry books it back to his car, and he's trying to get the Beetle going. Obviously, the Beetle's gonna take a little couple of brr, 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 because it wouldn't be cinematic and exciting if it turned on on the first one and he was safe. Uh, but he turns it on and he looks back, and this is a really quick soul gaze, which I wonder if that has something to do with them being lupine theriomorphs um they're uh the fact that they are uh lycanthropes or just sometimes it happens that way but they it sounds like their their glance was really quick and the soul gaze took hold almost immediately when they when they locked eyes um but what he learns is basically parker's fuck parker need is losing control of the pack he's getting older mm-hmm. um you know the younger members are kind of nipping at his heels he's the alpha and which isn't actually a thing in nature, I learned. Um, but the only way to right now restore his power, because he was just embarrassed, a guy came in and they wanted to kill him and he jetted, well, it will be to kill Harry. So now this guy n- doesn't want to kill Harry. A lot of people want to kill Harry. That's not even exciting or, or interesting. He has to kill Harry. Um, mm-hmm. So Harry's going to be in some trouble again, just because he's got other shit going on and now he's got some other wacko wanting to kill him. Um, which again, par for the course. This is kind of how he yeah, does. Yeah, pretty much. So he goes back to his office, drives back, and he's like, I'm going to go up to my office, do some office hours, get some shit done. 
he goes upstairs and this is what's really weird and i correct me if i read it wrong he goes up to his office unlocks it turns on the light mm-hmm. and marcone is sitting at his desk with cujo hanging out next to him yeah and that's the end of this ep- this podcast mm-hmm. um i love that because that means Marcone was just hanging out in the dark in his office. He, they, yeah. broke, they broke into his office, relocked it, and they went and sat down in the dark. <laughs> Which is, I actually buy that Marcone would do that just to fuck with Harry. 100 yeah. One million percent. <laughs> but it is ridiculous. And that's okay. Everybody has to be ridiculous because Harry's so ridiculous. The only way to, to, to nibble at him is to be equally ridiculous. Well, and it, it's sort of just, it, it's a power move. Yeah. That's, you know, well, it, that's it, how it, I saw it. It is in the moment that he turns on the light. But when you take a step back and realize this is a nine-figure, at least high t- eight-figure crime lord sitting in a tiny office with the lights out, hoping that Harry comes by today? I think he knows. It's kind of ridiculous. Oh, because he just knows things. I got you. Ah, I like it. Hey, sh- Marconi's not fully human. I dig it. I love it. It actually explains that scene a lot better. <laughs> but it's very much, he knows people. He's got people that keep an eye on him. So on his way back to the office, though, he has one of those. Okay, he does this very often, especially in the early novels. It doesn't go away because there is that darkness. He basically started his magical career with homicide. Not murder. We decided last week it wasn't murder necessarily. It was homicide. Um, so he started by using the power in a way it's not supposed to be used. And so you get that kind of dark side tingle. Um, and he knows he's there. It's, he is capable of taking that power and being this dark wizard. And caught, he knows that's in him. He, there's, a, there's a part of him that wants to take power. And just more and more power, um, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a theme that does come up. I, mean, I, I said it last week. That, he mentions it. I mean, no, but last week I said it's kind of the thesis statement for this novel series. He does a lot of good, but he also knows he could do bad, and mm-hmm. that bothers him more than the good. Doing the good makes him happy. You know what I mean? Um, but he has a good line in here that where he's talking about where you know you know maybe I could kill Parker because they're loop their uh lycanthropes maybe they're not technically humans i could probably get off with the white council mm-hmm. but you know, maybe i have to kill a lot of people i don't know there's um, i could do a lot of black magic you know uh, you know all this temptation doing well and this, he, doing he this. also refers to black magic he says that was black magic and it was easy to use no, easy I got and fun no i want to do that whole quote here i'm oh, sorry no, no, you're right i know that's exactly what i was getting to he, like 100 is that he said it would be easy and fun like legos like what? It's just a weird reference. Again, just like a fun, easy, casual thing, and that's how easily he could take over the world, basically, or at least Chicago, just casually. You know, got to build a little spaceship with my Legos here, like you know our, our nephews do. Like you just, he could just put it together in an afternoon and let loose, and it would be easy and fun. And the fun is the part that haunts him. He knows it would be fun, uh, and he says. I tried not to think too much about what sort of person it might be who survived. And the second half of this quote, I love even more. 
I would burn that bridge when I came to it. Yes, I love that. I have that highlighted. So he walks into the office and Marcone says, ah, yes, Mr. Dresden, we need to talk. And we're leaving you on a cliffhanger. Pow! We've had a fun. I love it. That's great. <laughs> it is. Um, but so, that's, you know. Well, let's, let's hop on. on. We're going to have to edit the shit out of this. Um, let's hop over. We use a lot of people. You have a mouse in your pocket. Uh, let's hop over to our analysis. Um, all right. I, it was actually... Again, it was better than I thought it would be, which is, I mean, that's damning with faint praise. Um, it's a low bar to cross. I, I, this is, it's not a great novel. I, I, again, I, I love this series. I love Jim Butcher. I love Harry Dresden. I love most of the characters. That I, this isn't their shining moment. Um, but when I sat and looked at it, like I said a thousand times in this podcast, like, I'm getting a new angle and I'm actually interested to see how this goes because there, there's really some, a couple of really humanizing moments for Murphy and that influences the way Harry reacts, which, so I'm, I'm, the, the whole thing is up in the air. I'm actually really curious because the second and third chunks, you know, that really the middle, the second act basically, um, uh-huh. has some interesting interactions between them that, I didn't feel were well explained, but I'm curious if now they're, I just still don't think they're going to be well explained, but I think maybe they'll be a little bit more explained. Um, and we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, that was kind of my thoughts. I do have some actual lore and magic qu- stuff to talk about, but what are your thoughts coming out of this? Definitely a different novel, but wh- where are you at? What are your thoughts? Uh, I enjoyed it. There's ups and downs. There's, there are some heavy hand, like we said, some heavy handed stuff. And it's, you know, just trying to sort of sort through everything with the lore that we're being provided, the story that's unfolding, which, I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's not, it's not exactly, you know, well-woven at this point. Um, Wait, what's pretty obvious? That, you know, that, like, right at the beginning, it, it that... There is more than we're not, more than we know. Oh, yeah. I also, I didn't touch on this because I was chapter one and I'm awful at things where I like that he starts the, he starts with, again, he's writing this in the future. He's not writing this as it's not, it's not the narrator in the moment. It's he's writing this down. They're the Dresden files, right? He says, I never used to think about full moon, never used to care about full moons, you know? Um, um So clearly, I mean, it's very between, the title and him in the first sentence talking about never used to care about full moons. We know it's a werewolf novel, um, which you know, again, it's, it's the monster of the week kind of thing, which I, I don't mind. Very. Much it, so. it progresses the overall kind of, you know, overarching narrative. There is no big bad yet, but there's the characters are moving through it and you really can't, I mean, you could pick it up, but it'd be very weird to pick this one up without, reading Stormfront, right? I mean, it is, it is serialized already, which is, I, a little bit, I yeah. like, I mean, I like the idea of trusting your audience. I, again, it, it certainly is less lucrative, um, but he's doing all right. He's, he's, he's made, made a couple bucks, although he just got divorced. Mm-hmm. Maybe he lost a lot of it. Um, certainly. Well, I have it. Um, but I like that there's a trust in the audience that you're going to figure out the stuff that's going on. If you haven't read it, 
and the people who have read it kind of get rewarded, like we talked about, you know, the end of Stormfront. You just you just get rewarded for paying attention a little bit, but you uh-huh. you could still you could still pick this one up. But it's there's just a trust that you're, we don't need to tell you exactly beat for beat what happened. Like you figure it out. They do tell us throughout, but I don't know. I like the way it's kind of interwoven. Again, sometimes it's heavy handed and a little clunky, but okay. Uh, so there are some things, there's some elements that are interesting and that I'm, uh, the development of the world that I really liked, uh, when he's talking about the neighborhood that he's, uh, following the compass needle, Mm -hmm. it is near the university of Chicago and like Michigan and it's a bad neighborhood. And he says, uh, the streetlights were out in a lot of places. So when night closed in, it was darker than most areas. Oh. It always, it's always been a favorite haunt for some of the darker things that come crawling out of the never-never for a night, night, on the, night on the town. Trolls lurked about like muggers on some nights, and any new vampire that came through the city always ended up in this neighborhood, or one like it, searching for prey until he could make contact with Bianca or one of the lesser fa- vampire figures of the city. Why do you think, so we why have, do you think those streetlights were out? Uh, I think that it's because there's some power. Yeah, exactly. Because the, the supernatural power makes the streetlights not work. And it's also probably why some of the buildings were abandoned and only infrequently used because people felt that energy. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a very significant thing that the energy scared people away. At least that's what I saw. But it also tells you we have McAnally's Pub, which has... Some of the magical folk that are not as strong, not as powerful. And then we have this area of Chicago that they're so powerful that they turn the lights out. But also they are so in the shadows that they're the muggers, well, but they're the, the vampires. But those, aren't human. those aren't human muggers. Those are trolls and vampires, right? Those are. Yes, but that's, but that's not. That's the the magical element. I'm not talking about, you know, just people. but like, Because we do have the, the magical element at McAnally's. It's the light in the dark. You walk into McAnally's pub and there's, I believe, 13 yeah, lights. There's lights th- 13 like of that. everything. And everything's lit. And here, the lights are out. So that was an interesting balance. That also, I the kind of the supernatural's influence on our world. It's, it's yes. a huge part of the story that it's ignored by kind of the normies and why that's, you know, that's why special investigations kind of exists and why, mm-hmm. um, you know, why Murphy reached out to Harry and why Harry has a job. Um, but it's not this like, you know, esoteric thing that's floating around. It's actually like, it's impacting whole neighborhoods in Chicago. Um, like it's not something that should be ignored. It's not just like, you know, a shadow in the corner. It's a dude Mm -hmm. jumping in and stealing a woman or, you know, stealing your, you know, killing vampires literally kill people you know like it's it's not something that should be ignored it's not something that should be brushed under the under the table under the but it also rug. brings into brings into perspective cities in every town or cities in, or neighborhoods in every oh i'm town. sure and that's and that- where this this some of this description i think i've told you this before where when i first started working in san bernardino driving through downtown san bernardino you saw little burnt out buildings where it was this you know, buildings that were run down, abandoned, or infrequently used, where it was, but that's, that's kind of... So, I, I'm, when I, 
when I moved, I'm, I lived in Toronto, Canada for a couple of years. And when I moved out there, um, my first border crossing attempt, there took me a couple. Eventually I got there. Um, my first border crossing attempt was at, um, I don't know what it's called, the Peace Bridge or whatever, but it was through De- from Detroit, which interestingly enough, you go south from Detroit to get into Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going south from Detroit and I uh, ran into a little hiccup with the old Mounties. I don't think they're Mounties, but whatever. They're all Mounties in Canada. Um, and ended up having, took me a week or so to figure it out with immigration and I got back. I ended up going through uh, Buffalo. Um, uh, Niagara, I guess. Well, I don't know what the fuck. Well, who knows? It was a long time ago. But, um, I drove through Detroit trying to, you know, as I was trying to figure out what the fuck I'm going to do. I did. They didn't let me in. I quit my job and I can't get to Canada to do this other job. And I was just driving in circles. You're just driving around. Woe is me. As I t- you know, kind of a Harry Dresden kind of thing. I ended up laying on the floor of a crime scene smelling of blood. Um, <laughs> not quite. Not quite. But there's like full neighborhoods that are just completely empty. Houses, buildings. Mm-hmm businesses again i hope hopefully there it's better now and it's, you know, i know there has been a you know effort to bring detroit back but it, it, like it was crazy I and mean, there's just like literally like completely empty swaths of houses and storefronts and it's just like a ghost town but in a lot you know a big city um i have no analysis for that it's just it was it was yeah. really crazy like that's, the, that's the energy but that's what i saw maybe it was trolls neighborhood yeah and maybe it was trolls you know what and maybe there's vampires and trolls in san bernardino and that would totally make sense do vampires like meth i don't know but but people on meth probably don't pay a lot less attention fair enough um <laughs> but that was one of the things where you know with the world building with all of that that i really enjoyed you know and then i asked you know i was curious about he's left-handed because i just don't think he jokes. is because i don't think he is he's... okay it was just weird because it was that was this it was he put the gun into his left pocket and then he releases it from his left i think hand. the reason i'll tell you why is because he has the the blasting rod he keeps in his right he has a th- okay. that thong on on his duster so he can pull out his blasting rod in his right hand and the gun is in his left. I'm ge- I'm guessing okay. that's the in in uh in universe. universe answer to that. Yeah. Oh. Um. So the other thing is that you know we've never given we're gradually being given frame of reference for the never never. It was mentioned in Stormfront. It's mentioned here, but then he talks about you know where the archangels and demons come from, and when he's talking just at the very beginning of this book, he's talking about that. Uh, when what he's Kim, yeah, what about, Kim Delaney wants to talk about with that third circle? Yes, um, where he says, "Let me see if I can." It was a cage for demonic demigods and archangels. So you it do was, not want to fuck with either of those. No, you don't. And he talks about that the spirit circle is usually enough to stop all but the most powerful of demons or elder things of the outer reaches of the never-never. But this third circle was built to stop things that could transcend those kinds of boundaries. So this is, this is the big bad. This is some pretty gnarly shit. And that's, you know, we're get, but again, we're developing this information about the never never very gradually but it's there it's lingering and that's very uh unnerving you know if you think about it um yeah, I mean, and so it's one of those things where like you don't know anything about it 
you just know to be scared of it, which is why it's yes. so, it's so powerful. You know, the, like it's the um, Jaws. You know, Jaws. They didn't like the, way that the uh-huh. sh- shark looks. They're like, no, fuck it, we're not gonna see the shark at all. And that was way more terrifying than their their robot shark. Yes. Um, like not. It's the, um, the unknown fear of the unknown. Yes, it is. Um, there's a horror movie where the entire horror movie is uh, you can't see anything. It's just a uh, it's just a black screen. No, well, you can't see the bad guy. Like, it's, what is it called? Darkness Falls, that's what it is. Where it's this vengeful spirit that you can't, it's, anytime in the dark is when it attacks and you can't see anything. But it's that kind of concept where it's all in the dark. Everything is in the dark. And that's, the, that's why the Never Never is so scary because it's, there's, it's all in the dark. It's all in the dark, and we don't have any idea of what it is, and that's creepy as fuck and kind of great. And why? And he keeps referencing it, so it is important, and it's this a uh-huh. scary, important thing that exists is just as terrifying as it gets. I love it. Yeah, and it's it, that's really great. Um, I have a couple more like lore stuff to think about. Okay. Um, one uh, in ch- my, one of my chapters, I didn't mention it because. It didn't really matter in the chapter, but he talks about how he listens. He, he, it's a skill he developed. Most people don't know how to do it. He doesn't have supernatural hearing. He's just really good at like, he has good hearing is kind of the in universe or at least his own self description of him. Um, and he, he can really, he can calm himself down. And he just talks about how it's like the word. It's like, it's like one of those like boomer. He's I'm, Jim Butcher's not a boomer, but like the, uh, like everything's so loud and people don't listen anymore. He's like, people don't know how to slow down and listen. Um, but which is weird and whatever, but um, tropey, but he, he, that's a skill that he has is like, he taught himself to like shut down everything and be not like literally shut down his organs or anything, but like be really quiet and only not think about what you want to do, but just listen. And it's a, a really interesting sure. skill. It's not supernatural, but it's a no. skill he has and uses Again, over the course of the novel, so that's why I wanted to, to shine a light on it because this will come up that he's just is a really good listen. Like he's got, I mean, he's probably got you know better ears than the average guy, but like it's just cool that one of his you know superpowers is just he's a good li- he can hear stuff. <laughs> it's like, like I said, like it's that whole idea of like a sniper where a sniper can just sit and be quiet. Exactly, wait for his heart, shoot between heartbeats. Um. Um. I have, I, uh, there's one kind of contradiction that I wanted to talk about and get your thoughts on it. And I don't know if you noticed it or thought it was a contradiction because maybe I misread it. Um, in chapter five, his, his tracking spell, he talks about how the spell, the compass would point towards his target, the blood target, the source of the blood until sun, sunrise, which we already know when sunrise happens, there's a cosmic supernatural breaking of spells um which you know again is a theme that goes through the novels it's it's just a real again really cool simple lore sunrise sunrise breaks spells like again it helps to underpower spells and like cap it it just caps the power levels really cool um it's like so many ways that he decided like no no you can't do this you can't do that like he's got a cool badass powerful wizard with so many restrictions and he's still a cool badass wizard i love it um, but he says, you know, the, the spell would 
last till sunrise. And then when he decides to chase after her through the dark and says, this is a bad idea, but the spell wouldn't last long enough, certainly not long enough to find her again. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a fuck up. I don't know. I, I don't know, because it, could he redo the spell the next day? No, no, but I'm talking about, like, why couldn't he find her in the next couple hours before sunrise? The compass is still pointing at her. And then when Murphy says, where did they go? Why doesn't he look at his compass? It, again, it's just a scene that, yeah. like, there's plot. Those are plot holes. I think those are plot holes. Yeah, a little bit. That is definitely a plot Also, hole. when Murphy says, did they go up to the roof? What the fuck are they going to do on the roof? They don't have a helicopter. Are they yeah. going to jump to the next building? Like, no, they didn't go up to the roof, Murphy. That, it's such a weird... Uh, that's not a plot hole. That's just fucking weird. But the, I, the fact that he didn't use his compass to point at mm-hmm. the woman... Yeah, who they're looking is, for. That's a plot hole. Like, uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, but again, it, they happen. They exist. Not the end of the world, but... Yes. um. I was hoping you would have some sort of in-universe explanation. <laughs> no, I, that one I didn't. That one I didn't. Everything else I have on here is later in the novel. <gasps> okay. Uh, so we've got a couple of yikes that we discussed in this one. And some of them are rough. Some of them are a little less rough. Um, for me, the biggest thing, and I actually, while I was started listening to the, the audiobook, I texted Josh and it was like, really? Boobs in the first two seconds? <laughs> like, like, literally on the first page. He said, you know, he's talking about Kim. And he's like, she was a tall woman, buxom and lovely in an old world way, with pretty pale skin and round cheeks, well used to smiling. I'm like, oh, dear God. And it, it, that was a real Mel Gazy. That was real Mel Gazy. And he also, when she leaves, what does he say? I don't remember what it, where is it? Harry's definitely funny. the kind of guy that tells women to smile at bus stops. Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. And it's just, you know, like we always, we joked around last time when the last book, you know, there's screams of a fedora uh, and a milady. But he, like he, when he, you know, when he walk when she walks away, he um, say, it's just, it's just creepy. Like she stalked off towards the door, her skirt swaying along with her long hair. She cut an impressive statuesque figure. Like, bro, that's just a little, like, literally two seconds in. It was just way too fast. Of Like, really? Really? Come on. At least give us a minute before we get Melgazy and cringy. Um, and then we, I, we, you know, talked about the how he treats a lady crap. But it, we also, the juxtaposition between how Murphy's been described, because she has her own, you know, like we talked about, she does, she doesn't, she, it, it's not that she is, it's that she does. She takes on the more masculine position so, in the typicalness of this so world. I thought it was like empowering to give her kind of a non-feminine feet, you know, you know, uh, hair hairstyle. And now I'm just thinking she's powerful, so let's make her look like a dude. I think she's got a punky hairstyle. I uh, in my head though it's the Karen hairstyle, but I try I'm trying to Oh no, it's, re- it's like real that. short. I don't know. I Yeah, it's short. She's got like yeah. Like short, At like one point, she has part of her head shaved. I don't. I never. I can never. I'm not a fine imagination as far as like macro, the micro uh-huh. stuff. Like what characters look like. I got nothing ever. Some of them I have in my head, but some of them it's not. 
I don't, and I don't think it's there's important. a uh, there's a meme on the uh, uh, Dresden Files subreddit because every six hours somebody posts, oh, I think this char- this actress would be perfect for this character, or this actor would be perfect for this character. They did like literally like every six hours, just constant. Um, but the the meme is that Danny DeVito is every character, which I am oh, fully yeah. fully behind. Yeah, I think he'd be great. So. I actually, you know, now that I think about it, he could be Bob's voice and that would be spectacular. Oh my God. Yes, please. Yeah. But the one, so, and I, Bob has an, a yikes one here too, where it, it was way more yikesy than even the love potion. Oh yeah. What was that one? Uh, all right. Bob said smugly, you're going to, you're going to get into breast enhancement then I'm telling you, that's where the money is. The question is how pretty can you get them? Yarn a half bad wizard, Dresden. You should think about how grateful all those beautiful women will be. Oh, that line is atrocious. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. I, th- I didn't know we were leading into that one. I thought you were talking no, about no. the breast enhancement. All, all uh, Plastic surgeons exist, you know? I mean, it's... Yeah, no, no, but this was just like, how pretty you can get them. Think and then about how grateful they'll be. And then they'll want to bone it. God damn it, Bob. And then, but then Harry, Harry does cut him off the pass and says, you know, Bob, some of us aren't obsessed with sex. Yeah, and Bob's, so being, here we go. Bob's being smacked down. It's, it's, yeah. it, I th- again, I think the plan is for Bob to be, us to be in on the joke with Bob, but that is, especially, I didn't even, again, I didn't, I do pay attention. I'm just not good at stuff. Uh, the, uh, um, I think of how grateful they'll be. Yuck, guy. Yeah. Damn. Um, yeah, that was my biggest yeah, because I literally wrote oh, no, the page a- number and said, Bob Potion. That's atrocious. Um, yeah, that's not good. Um, I mean, most of them, the biggest thing here, be, I mean, obviously there are those moments that you touch on there, sexualizing. There's less of that. That might just be because yes. there's fewer female characters. Yeah, um, that's which is the dumbest reason to do. You did better by having fewer female actresses, invo- you know, fewer actors involved. Like, I don't mean actors as in like people who do actions, but. I mean, that's yeah. what I mean. People who do actions, not people who are play, you know, in a movie. Um, but the the treatment of Murphy so far, I really like. I really yeah. like where Murphy, like, it's mature and thoughtful and caring and like empowering. And and I like she's also like she doesn't need Harry. She's solving her problem with you know IA. She's solving his fucking problem uh-huh. with you know not going to jail. Like she's fucking a badass. And I again, I'm fucking worried that I'm gonna like Murphy after this book. <laughs> but it, that's one of the things that's that's why it's cool that we can talk about this stuff because it it is all in perspective. And and you know Harry is. I didn't have so many issues with Harry until we started talking about it. It's just like you're killing me, dude. Where he just gets a little smarmy and it's, and he, he bounces back, but he's very much the, I'm here to take care of you. But like, oh, sort of, she's, Murphy's a lady in danger. Like, that did she fucking explain to you that she's not that. She doesn't want you to do that. Yep, You're a fucking piece care. of shit for thinking that. He like, care, yeah. I actually don't hate, I, I don't, I mean, it's not positive or good, but like the idea of him thinking that before that conversation I get, I understand. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't agree, but like, I, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I try to understand opposing thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's but, important. They kind of, I, like, that's part of just being a, an intelligent person is kind of 
trying to understand where people are coming from. Being a human being. But the fact that he has that inner monologue after their conversation in her Saturn is fucking bananas. (laughs) How the fucking, what were, what conversation were, I wonder what conversation he was having. He told us what actually happened. I wonder what happened in his head during those 10 minutes. Yeah. And that's the thing where it's just, I mean, but we've got a little bit, we have a little bit of what he's actually thinking because he's telling us as the, that first person narrator. So at least we have that. Like it's, it's, you can't deconstruct it if you don't know. So it's good to know. And again, he's supposed to be flawed. That is the point. It's just still gross. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I do. I really do think. I mean, we're comparing assholes to most of the asshole, but I do think this is a, a small, tiny bit step up. Yeah. Um, mostly because of the treatment of Murphy, which feels like cheating because she's one of the guys. Um, but. We'll see how it progresses. Again, I, I, again, I, I'm really real. This is one of the books I really wanted to go through with you, even though I never want to really read. I always do because I don't like skipping. But like, yeah, it's I never. I'm never excited about it. I'm excited about a bunch of them. There's a couple that I'm not excited about, and this is one of them. Yeah. Um, but again, I don't. You know, I don't want to prejudice learning, it. There's a lot of good. You're learning new things about the book too. You know, oh, absolutely. This deep dive is why I badgered you for a year and a half. Um, <laughs> All right, so um, anything else in the yikes section? Nope, those are my three biggins. Yeah, I mean, they're biggins. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, um, what was your quote of the week? I talked about this already. It's, there, were, there was a pair of quotes within a couple paragraphs of each other, but I absolutely loved, holy, I was a teenage werewolf, Batman. Very, very near to, they look more like a group of computer nerds geared up for leather, for leather night. <laughs> oh, those are so, both are so good. Right? They're fantastic. Although, those are in my chapter, and I didn't... Me- you mentioned them in my chapter. You could have just saved them. Ah, uh, sorry. I was just no, loving them in the moment. No, I, I don't know if that's better than saving them and not saying them. I have no idea. Because <laughs> mine was in my chapter, and I saved it. Either, uh, yeah, both of those are great. Wait, which one's your... You only get one, though. Which is your I one of the weeks? Holy, holy, I was a teenage where we're right, right, yeah. You can't cheat. You can't cheat. You, can, you are allowed to have two crackpot theories, though. Just in case. Okay. If that ever happens, um, mine last week, didn't I? <laughs> I have uh, Bob going down into the lab saying, "Wake up, sleepyhead," and Bob says, "Oh, with a sense of humor like that, you can make a living as a garbage man in the country." You you didn't you didn't like that one? <laughs> no, I don't understand. But you can make a living as a garbage man with a sense of humor like that. You can make a living as a garbage man. You're not funny. I mean, I, I, maybe I just like Bob too much. Even my quote, even his quotes aren't good. Yikes! Um, well, that's my that's my quote. Take it or leave it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also liked where his instincts cried wolf. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's my that's my secondary quote. But uh, you got two. I got two. There we go. Perfect. We're, we're all cheaters this week. Uh, uh, right. Uh, last no rules. It's this is numb, baby. No rules. Spring break. Um, last thing on the docket. What is your crackpot theory this week, Liz? Okay. Literally, in my notes for chapter two, in all caps, I wrote, Denton is a werewolf. I wrote it again in my, in all caps, in my notes for chapter four. Denton is a werewolf. 
Ooh, I love it. And wait, there's more. Oh, good. Uh, and Denton knows Marcone has supernatural abilities, and that's why he's targeting his guys. I love how your, your crackpot theories are interlacing. Oh, 100%. Oh, all co- it's all coming together. A year from yeah. now, it's going to be this tangled web that eventually... <laughs> so- it's going to solve Dresden. I love it. We're going to have to have a map with all of the red... Jim Butcher's going to quit because you solved it. <laughs> or it's going to be a whole other world and people are going to write fanfic about it. I, I love both those options. <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, thank you guys for sticking with us. Again, I know this... this- it's a bit of a slog, but there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Again, as we, as I learned literally tonight, um, I think this book is better than I give it credit for. It's also still terrible in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> again, like Jim Butcher's amazing. The world building's great. There's so much cool lore. It's just this one isn't isn't as expertly crafted. I, he's really good at what he does, and this one isn't as good as he can do, I guess. I I don't know. I don't like to be criticized. I hope he never listens to this because I love you and want to hug you. But um, yeah, this one just isn't up to snuff. It's not up to snuff. Maybe he rushed it. Maybe it was you know an issue where the publishers gave him some feedback that he had to kind of squeeze in because he was still an up and comer. Um, but it's clunky in places. And again, we're only eight chapters in and there's a lot of good stuff to come. There's a lot of the other thing and uh, uh you know we're just excited to have you you know every day people are downloading our pod it's ridiculous i'm gonna delete that because i'm just so excited about it. um but, but thanks, uh, thanks for listening guys thanks for downloading and and talking about us and it's fantastic and the single best thing you can do to support the pod yep give us a five star- well i don't want to presume it's five stars man I mean, Give us a review. Give Lisa a review. You'll, it'll be five stars. <laughs> pretend, pretend I'm not here. You can mute one half of the channel. Um, it'll be a five star review if it's Lissy. But honestly, give us a review. Give us a you know, just just talk about us on the uh, the old Apple Pod or the Spotify or whatever you do. Um, it just helps so much to help people find us. And you know, we we just want to exist and talk to people. Like I said, I told Lissy I want to do this podcast. I'll talk into the ether. But having other people you know work with us is is really cool as well. And hey, and hey, you know, if you know other people who are into the books, tell them to listen. Give them a shout out. Let us know. Uh, let us know if you like it. Let us know if you're telling people about it. Because that's one of the things that I I talked about it in, in a uh, alumni group I'm in. And uh, go Gachos. And uh, I'll, uh, more people than I realized have read the book. And so people are passing it on. Just, you know, if you know somebody who likes the books, tell them about us. Maybe they'll want to read it along with us. Again, okay, people, okay. people like you, I can't say that shit. Yeah, guys, thank you so much. Uh, we will be back next Sunday. And we are looking at chapters 10 through 20. Luckily, there's no crime scenes, so we're going to be able to breeze <laughs> through it a little bit quicker. Um, but there's some really good stuff. And I think it ends on another cliffhanger, which is great. I love the idea oh, that we're lost. <laughs> um, but almost everyone has read through it with us. But, um, except for me. I haven't read them. Except for this time. I just want her to have hard... Uh, crackpot theories and uh, cliffhangers every week is very exciting. Um, it's it's just the power. I'm 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 power hungry. I, I'm like Harry. I've I've tapped into the darkness once. I don't know if I can do it again. Um, uh, thank you guys so much. Um, we love to have you. And uh, also, guys, on the Thirteen Star Designs Facebook page, there are pictures of the bookmarks. Again, we're reading a reading a reading a book with a podcast. Why not throw a bookmark in there? Um, or don't. I'm not the boss of you, but um, I'm going to get one. I'm very excited about it. We got penis shape and rectangle shape. 
uh, for the the podcast is on fire merch. I think they're about going to be uh, eight bucks plus shipping. But uh, if you want to pick one of those up, great. If not, also great. I'm going to have more of them. Uh, but thank you so much for supporting us. We'd love to have you. Uh, I have been Josh, and I'm Alyssa. And the podcast was on fire. And it wasn't my fault. Okay. I think it's when we get too loud. <laughs> we get too excited. I think. No, because you've gotten a, you've gotten a, a bit loud throughout throughout, and it hasn't cut out. But it just at weird times it'll cut out. So I don't know what it's. My, I there. think my USB ports are not good. I need a new motherboard. I need a new computer. Good call, Lissy. For the podcast, I need a new computer. It's, it's right for off. Alyssa. Yeah, I'm doing it for you. All right, carry on.